0: Hey there everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, A Wonder Years podcast. Well today, in honor of Mother's Day coming up on May 10th, I decided, and I've been thinking about this for a bit, uh, doing this trilogy, I decided to cover Look Who's Talking from 1989. This is just... It's such a good trilogy. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, the third one's garbage. I thought it was cute. I watch it every single Christmas because it's set right around Christmas. And that's most likely when I will cover the third one. (laughs) All right. So IMDb's description of this. After a single career-minded woman is left on her own... To give birth to the child of a married man, she finds a new romantic chance in a cab driver. Meanwhile, the point of view of the newborn baby is narrated through voiceover. So this movie released in theaters on October 13th, 1989. The budget was $7,500,000. Opening weekend, it made 12000000 It grossed 140000000 Eighty-eight thousand eight hundred thirteen, worldwide gross two hundred and ninety-six million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand eight hundred thirteen. Yeah, it it definitely made back its budget tenfold overall wor- wor- worldwide. So here's a tagline for this. Oh, um, and I don't. He's got John Travolta's smile, Kirstie Alley's eyes, and the voice of Bruce Willis. Now all he has to do is find himself the perfect daddy. He's hip, he's cool, and he's only three months old. Um, we've all seen this movie, right? If you haven't seen the movie, you need to get on a streaming site and watch it. Because you know, if you're a regular listener, I go through the entire movie. A lot of my movie reviews usually tend to be either three hours or just under three hours, depending on the movie and the amount of detail I'm putting into it. We know that John Geralt is not this boy's biological father. He is George Siegel's biological kid. Well, not the actor, but you know what I mean. All I'm saying is that it's a weak-ass tagline. (laughs) Also, if you're new to the podcast, um, you know that this podcast is rated E for explicit, so... This one's got a 5.9 out of 10. That's kind of weak, isn't it? All right, let's go through the cast of characters. Of course, we have John Travolta. He plays James Ubriaco. We have Kirstie Alley of Cheers Fame playing Molly. I'm trying to remember. Do we learn Molly's last name? I don't know. John Travolta, of course, Urban Cowboy, Grease, Saturday Night Fever. Olympia Dukakis playing Rosie Molly's mother, Steel Magnolia's fame. We got George Siegel, who plays Albert. I'm trying to remember what he was doing at the time. He plays, uh, Molly's, uh, basically he's her baby daddy. He is the biological father of Molly's son, Mikey. Abe Vigoda plays Grandpa, James's grandfather, who is going to be moving into a, um, residential care facility, and nursing home, something to that effect. Bruce Willis provides the voice of Mikey, and I gotta say, I think he did a damn good job. We got Twink Kaplan playing Molly's best friend, Rona. got a lot of different kids playing Mikey. Basically, you see him while he's in development in the womb, and then once he finally pops out nine months later, he's played by a very... Select group of children ranging from the age of zero months all the way up to one year. So let's give those Mikeys their due. We got Jason Schaller, Jared Waterhouse, Jacob Hines, Christopher Iden. Also, we gotta give credit where credit is due for the director of this movie. And that director, of course, is Amy Heckerling. The guy who plays Molly's father, Lou, is actually Amy Heckerling's father father, I believe. So, she did Fast Times at Richmond High, which I've never seen. What else she done? The Carrie Diaries. Hold on a second. I want to see what she's actually directed. Alright. Her first thing was getting over it with, or getting over it, Johnny Dangerously in 84. Fast Times at Richmond High in 82. National Lampoon's European Vacation, which i don't ever want to see because, yeah. She directed three episodes of Fast Times, which was a spinoff television show to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Of course, she did Look Who's Talking to She did Clueless in 95, as well as four episodes of the Clueless television series. Uh The movie Loser with Jason Biggs and um, Mila... What the heck? What the heck's her name? The girl from American Beauty. Oh, my goodness. Mina Okay, It looked like she did not direct. She did not direct Look Who's Talking, now the third one. I thought she had. And okay, she directed the second one. All right. Uh, She did. She was the creator of Baby Talk. Does, any, does anybody remember Baby Talk from ABC? Was it ABC? I think it was. It's part of the DJI TGIF lineup. I remember it because I remember. Look who. I swear I saw Look Who's Talking To before I ever saw Look Who's Talking. I was aware of Look Who's Talking, but I'd seen Look Who's Talking To first. And then I was in the video store. When I'm like, oh, they made a third Look Who's Talking movie? Oh, it's with dogs this time? Because at that point, the kids are like six and four. So, of course, they don't need people to do voiceovers for them. Because they can speak their own words. They can speak their own minds, finally. Of course, someone's got to provide the voices for the family dogs. And I mean dogs, because they each get a dog. I'm sure people are like, oh, that's weak. I think it's a cute movie. If you think about it, this is pre-7th Heaven for uh, David Gallagher, who plays Simon Camden. Alright, let's jump into a little bit of trivia. Excuse me. John Travolta said this was the only time after watching a premiere of his that he knew he was going to be in a major hit. Also, real quick, speaking of John Travolta, I will be covering the movie Grease in September for Back to School. Of all the roles he played, John Travolta said the character he plays in this film is the most like his real personality. That is cool because James is awesome. He's so cool. Molly's two blind dates that she imagines as Mikey's father are listed in the credits as Mr. Impatient and Mr. Anal. (laughs) Amy Heckerling was, was inspired to write the film after her husband and writer Neil Israel started playfully talking in a different voice to pretend what their new baby would say. Her husband also has a cameo as Kirstie Alley's character's boss. Ugh. So let's hear about some of the actors that were possible candidates for the voice of Mikey. And you guys kind of think to yourself like, eh, uh, let, let's see, you guys... Think about these names and picture Mikey sounding like any of these characters, uh, actors. Chevy Chase. Uh, Bill Murray. Maybe. Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Steve Martin. Me. And John Candy. Hmm, that would be. John Candy, I think, would be. I think that would be interesting. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> All of them were busy. Chase was busy doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Murray and Ackroyd were doing Ghostbusters 2. Martin was busy shooting Parenthood. And Candy was doing Uncle Buck. That's right, because all of those movies came out around uh, '89. Now, I've never seen Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2. I've seen bits and pieces, because Jeremy's a fan of them. Uh, Christmas Vacation, watch that every December. Parenthood, love that movie. Uncle Buck, um... Parenthood and Uncle Buck are movies I will be covering at some point on this podcast. Most likely, probably next year. The reason I've been kind of able to do the amount of movie reviews that I've been doing is just because, you know, the stay-at-home order and everything. So eventually that's going to come to an end and I'll be, uh... I kind of got the movie set that I'm going to be covering. Kind of in my mind about what ones I'm going to be covering this year. Um, May 18th, I will be covering Titanic as a listener-requested episode for Nicole for her birthday. In June, I also plan to do, for Father's Day, I'm covering Mrs. Doubtfire. So, looks like the other person that was up for the role, considered for the role of Molly... Was Gina Davis. But of course, D- Davis turned it down because she couldn't handle shooting a movie involving, um, involving a birth sequence, especially with their birth sequence and in the movie The Fly. One film in a late 1980s Hollywood cycle of baby pictures. The movies include Baby Boom 87 with Diane Keaton. Guys, that is a great movie. I would definitely like to cover that at some point. Um, that movie now will always hold a special place in my heart because that is the last movie that um, I kinda, I watched a little bit with my dad before he passed away. Yeah. We have for keeps with Molly Ringwald, immediate family which I haven't seen, three men and a baby, which was ba- okay, which was based on the then French film Three Men and a Cradle in 85. She's having a baby with Kevin Bacon. Look who's talking, of course, this movie, With the later followed early in the 90s with Look Who's Talking 2. Oh guys, guys, get this, get this. John Stamos <laughs> was the first choice for the role of James but of course the producers of Full House wouldn't let him out of his contract to take the role also Michael Keaton, Mel Gibson, Jeff Goldblum and Griffin Dunn were also considered for the role of James if you don't know who Griffin Dunn is watch my girl, he played Mr. Bixler uh Veda Sultanfuss's uh teacher crush he had a little crush on Mr. Bixler Robin Williams was considered for the voice of Mikey, but Williams' agent wanted too much money, which was double the film's production budget. That would be interesting. That would have been interesting. Robin Williams as the voice of Mikey would. That and John Candy, definitely. Those, I think, would be my top two titles for the film included Big Talk and Daddy's Home. I don't like Daddy's Home. Big Talk, eh, I don't really like that one either. In the scene where James is pouring out his soul to Mikey. He talks about anecdotes and advice his father used to tell him. He says that one of his favorites was, if all your friends jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, does that mean you got it too? One of the most famous scenes in another John Travolta film, Saturday Night Fever, is of Tony and of his friends fake jumping off the -er Verrazano Narrows Bridge, I'm sure you are. Like, say it right. Like, well, Narrows Bridge? (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of Saturday Night Fever, just because of the ending. I mean, not the guy falling off the bridge. Spoiler alert. You got, it's been umpteen, 33 years now. Has it been 33? No, 43 years now. Um... And the rape scene in the back of that co- that ooh, that just left such a bad taste in my mouth. It's like, oh, the movie's interesting. What? They like, went like in a whole other. I don't like that at all. In the same where Molly and James are dancing in the kitchen, he puts his hands on his head and moves his hips up and down. This is similar to what he does in Greece when they are singing "Grief Lightning." Another candidate for the role of James was Steve Gutenberg. He turned it down. However, Kirstie Alley would co-star with Gutenberg in It Takes Two in 1995. That is another movie I would like to someday cover for the podcast. Alright, before I officially get into the movie, I want to let you know where you can request a movie for me to cover. I pretty much want to stick mainly with the 90s kids movies and then also maybe 80s to 90s. You know, comedy type of stuff like that. So, just send an email request to LBOM, Years Podcast at gmail.com. And, right, let's jump into Look Who's Talking. I'm so excited. I haven't seen this movie in a while, and I love it. I've seen it so many times. I love it so, so much. So, all right, get ready. Get comfy. Get your drink. Get your snack of choice. I don't have a snack of choice, but I got my stitch cup all ready to go with my Diet Coke. And I am ready to watch Look Who's Talking. So the movie opens with one of my particular... I I do like the 50s and 60s music. And this song in particular, I Love You, So, by, I believe it's the Chantels. Now, I was in my teens and the opening every single movie except for the third one opens up kind of the same way. All the movies have scenes of an egg being dropped down a fallopian tube if that's in fact what that is. And then of course the little spermies zipping after it to take a bite out of it or Fertilize it or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, being a teen, I, I didn't I didn't know what these were. I didn't have you know sex at health class in high school. That you know the sex that I had when I was 11 did not show sperms and eggs being fertilized. You know it is just so I'm like what is I I I, I had a feeling that I had you know something to do you know adult wise but. This is a very long, I mean, it shows it going through all the stages. It's interesting how the egg morphs into a lava lamp in this Albert's office, is this Molly's office, I I think it's Albert's office, and she's, of course, Molly is an accountant and she's going through all of his, you know, tax-related stuff. And, of course, he's sitting right next to her. You see the wedding ring on his left hand. And he's, like, pulling up her skirt on her knee to, like, touch her knee. Okay, so I'm getting- guess- Okay, I get it. So the beginning of the movie was to show that she has an egg that can be fertilized. And I'm guessing that egg there is actually going to be Mikey. This guy is a piece of Shit. And she finally is like, look, Albert, I can't do this with you anymore. And he's like, come on, Molly, I know you love me, and I love you too, so what's the problem? And she's like, the problem is that you're married. Oh, but before she says you're married, she says, you're a great father, you're great and bad in my biggest account, but you're married, so she basically tells him that as long as she's seen him she's going to be able to fall in love with anyone else. So she thinks that he should just work with a different accountant. Oh my god. Yeah, and how many times in this movie does he say he's going to leave his wife, Beth? It just takes time. Dude, you had no intention of ever leaving your wife. Don't give me that. And she's, Molly's rolling her eyes at that. Apparently Beth is also bulimic. Alright. Because he's like, whenever I mention the word divorce, she loses five pounds. Oh, my gosh. This is clearly his office. Because she wouldn't be taking off her top for him. And he's talking about how his wife's got a great ass for a 40-year-old. Like, the hell? And she's... And Molly's like, I've had enough. Okay, I'm going to tell my boss to give your books... And you to someone else, another accountant. Oh my gosh, this guy's a piece of garbage. So she's had enough of him kissing on her neck. She stands up and faces him. And he's like, oh Molly, I'm going to burst if you don't kiss me soon. And cue the Beach Boys with I Get Around. And we go back to the spermies and the egg and... <laughs> yeah, clearly they're fucking in his office. She has no issues. He just wants to know that he eventually is going to leave his wife. And here come the sperm. So, Bruce Willis is also doing the voice of the head sperm. He said head sperm. <laughs> This is really, uh, scientific. We actually see the tadpole, like, make contact with the egg and actually burrow inside of said egg. And then there's some, like, electricity thing going on. Like, you're seeing the fertilization happen. And then we go back to a toilet where Molly is just roughing up whatever she had for breakfast. Mind you, she's doing this while she's at work. And, of course, the other ladies in the office are hearing her, like, puke. That's what I, I don't like about movies or TV shows that show somebody puke. Like, you hear it. I mean, it's one thing to show it, but then you're... <laughs> which kind of makes me think of... Um, there's a different Strokes episode, I believe. It's season six. Is it seven or eight? I think it might have been eight. It might have been Dana Plato's last appearance as Kimberly Drummond. And she had an issue with bulimia. We actually hear her go into the bathroom and throw up. And you're hearing like... Ugh! Like, yeah. And I thought that was... That part of the episode was done fairly well. But it's just like... Ugh. And of course we meet... Rona, Molly's best friend, asking Molly, like, hey, you alright? And Molly's just kind of chopping it up to, like, oh, you know, I probably got that bug that's going around. She's like, Rona's like, what are you talking about? Nobody here's got a bug. Nobody's sick. Uh Uh-huh. And of course, they're heading back to their office, because they both, like, have a desk on either side of, and... You know, Rona is not going to support Molly's relationship with, um, Albert at all. Like, apparently he's also, aside from his wife and Molly, he's also fucking his shrink. And I guess he's going to go see someone different. And Molly says, well, that's, which is good, because she was really becoming an obstacle with us. And Rona's like, Who cares if he leaves his shrink? He's supposed to be leaving his wife. And Molly's like, oh, he will. He just can't, you know, leave her while she's sick. And Rona's like, well, what's wrong with her? And Molly's like, well, she's bulimic. And you can see Rona roll her eyes so hard. And she's like, don't be like that. Molly tells her, this is a very serious disease. All right, now we're gonna go inside Molly's body, into her womb, where an unsuspecting baby is starting to slowly develop. This, the CG, whatever type of claymate technology they're using for this baby, it's creepy. You're this song talking about ten tiny fingers and toes and everything you're seeing. Everything's starting to form. Like, the the hand, the fingers, the... Uh. So, now Molly's, like, stalking Albert, like, watching him on his balcony. She's, like, staring at him through some binoculars. Watching him on his balcony with his kids. Because, you know, he's also got his kids with his wife. And how, <laughs> how Molly's, like, eating an ice cream sandwich. And Rona's like, how are you still hungry? And Molly's like, I know, it's stupid. I don't even like ice cream. So now, of course, we're going to meet Molly's parents, who are also accountants, runs in the family. We don't meet her brother. I don't even think we find out that she has a brother named Stuart until the second movie, who's played by the guy who played Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from the late 80s. Wait, no, it was 1990, I'm sorry. So, probably like any typical parents of children that are over the age of 35, you know, the, that aren't married at this point, the parents are always trying to fix them up with somebody or they're like, why aren't you married yet? I want grandkids before I die and all of this stuff. And we meet... You know, Molly's parents is mainly, the, the dad doesn't even say anything. I don't think he says anything in any of the movies, really. But it's Molly's mother that, <coughs> excuse me, does pretty much all the talking for both of them. She does enough talking for both of them. She's like, how are you going to meet anybody? You don't go out. And Molly's like, Mom, it's tax season. So it's what, January, February, March, somewhere in there? Yeah. Yeah her mother's like you know I was an accountant when there, when there were few women accountants and I still managed to dress nicely and catch her father so I can't even believe Molly's asking this question luckily her her mother doesn't get that she's asking a question about herself she says what would you have done if daddy was married when you first met him she said her mother says I wouldn't have fallen in love with him and Molly's like oh well you can't control who you fall in love with what (sighs) I don't support this whole Molly Albert thing and eventually she's going to come to realize that herself at this point she does not know that she's pregnant Like the throwing up she chalked that up to someone clearly had the flu and I ended up getting it you know, these things, they, they run rampant all the time. If one person gets it in the office, everyone's going to get it eventually. Her mother even says, you know, what's your father's favorite food? They're like, cheesecake. Well, the doctor told him to cut down on cholesterol. Now he doesn't eat cheesecake. It's the same thing. And Molly's like, mom, that is not even close. And her mother's got an eye. She's like, okay, there's something wrong. Something's going on. Something's wrong. You don't, you never used to like my cooking before. And Molly's like, I still don't. Yet she's shoveling it down. Now her mother knows. Mother's, That that's mother's intuition. They know when something's up with their kids and their kids aren't telling. Finally, Molly decides to take a pregnancy test. And of course, this isn't one of those, I'm going to pee on a stick and see if two lines or one line show up. This is, I gotta pee... And then suck up the urine with a little eyedropper, put it in a vial, and see what the color comes out to be. Mind you, this is 1989. I don't know how common regular pee-on-a-stick pregnancy tests were. They definitely didn't have any that would check your ovulation schedule for you to tell you the best time to get pregnant. She, of course, can't believe the results. She's saying No. No, and now she's at the doctor's. He's like, "Yes, yeah, yes, you are pregnant." And she's like, "What? No, I can't be." So I'm gonna play this clip.
1: Yes. Oh no. I take it this wasn't a planned pregnancy.
2: <laughs> this wasn't even a planned affair.
1: Well, <laughs> let's see how far along. We are. <laughs> Whoa! Yow! Time out! Holy cow! What was that? Wow! Who's that? How could this have happened? How old are you now, Molly?
0: Thirty-three.
1: Well, remember, your biological clock is ticking.
0: Oh, she's got a cat! Aw! So he's like, oh, so this wasn't a planned pregnancy. And Molly's like, are you kidding me? This wasn't even a planned affair. So, he's like, well, how old are you? And she says, I'm 30. And she's like, she has to think first. I'm like, 33. And he's like, well, okay. You need to know your biological clock is ticking. I'm sure that she probably already knew that. Me, myself, I'm going to be 38. uh, And at least a few months. And I don't have plans to have kids. But uh, if I were to have had... I would have had them, like... Maybe late 20s, early 30s. But, uh... Yeah. Of course this whole, your biological clock is ticking, is going to burrow itself into her mind and leak out into her dreams. Because she has this... And it's like, isn't that something like the... It's in like a Charlie Chaplin movie or something, where, or some type of something where... Someone's holding on to like this giant clock arm as it's like ticking away, and that's kind of what you have with her. As the doctor says, your biological clock is ticking, and all of a sudden she like l- loses her grip and like, Aah! and she wakes up from the dream or nightmare, I guess if you want to call it that. Oh, another thing is she has a dream where it's like, oh Albert, I'm so happy you've I, I waited for you, and you see she's like got gray hair, so she's like, maybe. 55, 60 years old. Isn't it amazing how people viewed, you know, people in their 50s and 60s as quote unquote, like close to elderly? Whereas nowadays, the average 50 year old probably looks more like they're, like, in their late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, 50 and 60 is not like what. I mean, when I think 50 and 60 back then, I think people are thinking of those that are, like, 70 to 80 years old. So, Molly is telling Albert that she's pregnant. They're walking in a park, and she's like, My doctor told me my biological clock is ticking and all that. And it's just like, and she's telling him, You know, I didn't plan this. I'm not asking you for anything. I don't want to pressure you or trap you. Because he's married and everything like that. It's not like she's saying, if you don't leave your wife, I'm going to tell her I'm having your baby or something like that. Or asking him for money. Like, if you don't give me money for this child that you helped create, that I'm going to go to your wife and tell her about our affair. She flat out, t- like, look, this baby is part of both of us. And I'm not getting an abortion. Well, at least it's good because that is out there. If anyone was wondering, she is not going to get an abortion. And... Albert's glad about her being pregnant like it's not it doesn't bother him at all like oh it's fine and he starts singing that you're having my baby what a wonderful way to say how much you love me or something like that That, that song. I don't like that song he's like oh I was never going to ask you to have an abortion this, is, this baby's going to be great he's going to be incredible he'll have your sweet face in my business sense this guy doesn't have a fucking thing to do with that kid Not while she's pregnant, and certainly not while the baby is in the world. And he's like, oh, we'll get him a toy adding machine and little money diapers. She's like, will you please stop? You're going to make me sick with that song. And of course we see Mike. This baby is full on creepy. Even back in the doctor's office when he was like checking her stomach and everything like that. And he's pressing down on her stomach. And you see Mikey like, whoa, what was that? And you see like that the push on the stomach, like he's feeling, like, what, what was that? (laughs) And here he's like, oh my gosh, don't sing that song. If she gets sick, I get sick. So, of course, Albert wants to know what Molly's going to tell everybody. Like, what are you going to tell them? She'll just say, oh, it's so simple, I'll just tell everyone I got it, artificially inseminate it. And that's what she tells her mother. So, her mother, of course, is shocked, like, oh my gosh, how could you do something so horrible? And Molly's saying, look, it was easy. I went to the clinic and got some frozen sperm. (laughs) Like, it's so easy. Remember when, um, was it Selma or Patty? I think it was, it was Selma who wanted to have a baby, right? In that episode. And she was looking through a catalog for sperm donors. And she's like, so this is legit, right? I mean, you know your applicants and everything. You just don't let some random hawk them in here and donate sperm right they oh no! everyone we have here goes through a rigorous screening process and you see barney show- ew, and then you see all these babies coming out with barney's face and just wah, wah, you know the barney burp and everything and it's just like come on i, keep I brought it home defrosted it inserted it and now i'm pregnant Her mother's like, So that's it? You and the frozen papa are having a baby. (laughs) Molly's like, Ma, it's not a frozen pop. And of course, her mother's like, Well, it's not a husband. Neither is the guy that provided the sperm. So, (laughs) yeah. So, Molly, in her defense, is just saying, Look, Ma, you're the one who told me I have control over my life, and I want to do this. I want to have a baby. Because you're pregnant, you want to have a baby weren't outright going and trying to get pregnant. This is something that just happened. Her, mo- her mother is all like, I don't understand. You do this kind of thing if you're, like, very ugly or a lesbian. I'm like, oh, come on. Granted, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, a lesbian couple, if they want to have a child children, they need to have a sperm donor. That's just it. But you say, like, oh, if you're, a person's very ugly and they want to have a kid and they can't make it with anybody, they'll go and get... Frozen sperm. Come uh, I mean, I get it. She's just a little agitated that, uh, Molly didn't do it the old, well, she actually did do it the old fashioned way, but still. Well, so, yeah, Molly, or Molly's mother's really talking her up, like, this is not what someone who's very beautiful and intelligent, like you, who could have any man she wants. Oh, uh, of course her mother wants to know, like, where did the sperm come from? I mean, who, who, who's the supplier? And of course Molly's gonna lie. A medical student. Bullshit. He's a... The sperm donor is a philanderer who cheats on his wife and is also cheating on you. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, she's not gonna divulge that information to her mother. She's already being judged enough for being 33 and not married. And apparently, she lies and says he also goes to Columbia. And she creates this whole fake bad story for the sperm donor. He's a medical student at Columbia. His parents live on the island. His father's in peace goods. Oh, he could get you a real good deal. Haha. <laughs> Mother-, <laughs> mother also works for cosmetics. Uh, she can get you a great discount. Uh yeah. Her mother's not buying. Yeah, someday you'll have kids. Alright, so it looks like the next nine months are gonna fly by in this montage. We see um, Molly at the doctor. She's getting weighed. You know, she's putting on weight. Baby weight and the baby. I don't know how to those scales. What? What? What is that? So that's a hundred pounds. She's like one hundred and eighteen pounds. That's what I was when I was like twenty one. Now I'm like nearing two hundred, and I hate it. Yeah, in two thousand two, I weighed like a hundred and twenty pounds, and now I weigh close to two hundred, and I hate it. I hate it. This is so cool. I like her doctor. Her doctor actually is in the next one, and who delivers, um, Molly and James's daughter, Julie. I think it's really cool because he's, like, got his stethoscope, so that way she can hear the baby's heartbeat. Now, I know that modern medicine has changed where you can actually see on a monitor, like, your baby and everything, and taking, you know, the pictures and the footage and all of that stuff. In 1989, I guess you just had, like, the sonogram footage, which was kind of grainy, but now it's, like, 3D. It's in detail from people that have been pregnant and post on, like, Facebook and whatnot. It's, like, very 3D-generated, highly detailed. You can see, like, really see... Their face, their nose, their mouth, like, oh, I can tell that looks like my husband, or I can tell that that baby's, like, closed eyes look like my eyes, or the mouth looks like my mouth, or whatever, I don't know. Of course, just like any woman who's expecting, wants to show off the baby, pi- like, the earliest baby pictures, because, you know, she doesn't have, Facebook wasn't around to post, like, hey, guess who's expecting? Yay, Me! All the ladies are in the office, in the break room. We're like, oh! And I like how she's got a light up against the sonogram, like the, the sheet of sonogram pictures to kind of like make the images pop a little more and be more detailed. Okay, so it looks like Albert is, he's got an adorable looking baby onesie outfit for the baby. And you definitely can tell that Molly is pregnant because she's wearing maternity shirts. Then a regular person would probably be like a 2X. That just almost makes me want to go out and have a baby. <laughs> but not really. <laughs> Whenever someone I know gets pregnant, I always get that little like ba- mini baby fever. Like, I want to have a baby! No, I don't. But they're having a baby! I want to... Oh, nah, I don't want to have a baby. <laughs> she went from 118 to 136. So yes, yeah, she is putting on the baby... Baby weight. I love how she like scrutinizes the scale. Like, is it really 136? Oh my gosh! So it looks like Rona and um, Molly. are- is this a changing table? This can't be the crib. All right, we get another uh, measurement: 150 pounds. It looks like she's about to cry. She's like, I don't really care, do I? Shrugs your shoulders like, well, it is baby weight, so. Well, it's kind of. These scenes of the weigh ins are kind of intercut with the scenes of her showing um, Rona and this other lady who's interested. Probably the only other lady that's interested in looking at the sonograms. Like, here's his arm. Oh, and here's his little head. At this point, she clearly knows it's going to be a boy. Okay, so Rona and Molly are now trying to put together that baby swing that... Oh, it's a Fisher-Price baby swing. That nowadays probably would be recalled due to some problem or another. A mechanism like burning out and... <laughs> I don't know. Makes it go super fast with the baby in it. And that's all. The, those moments are all intercut with Molly and... Albert, and her just like, Oh, the little baby onesie is so adorable! Thank you, Albert! That's about as much involvement as she is gonna get. He is not even there for the damn birth of his kid. Oh, it looks like they're setting up, like, the, the baby playpen, and they've just had enough. They're, like, trying to set up so many things here, and they just are getting frustrated when things are going their way. And they just start beating it with these metal poles. <laughs> This shit! I'm <laughs> done! First, we gotta go back into the womb to see baby Mikey, who apparently wants to get some apple juice too, as Molly is seen downing a gallon of apple juice, and she is just like, gong, 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 like just downing it. Like, it can't get in her body fast enough. And of course, you know the umbilical cord. Anything she eats, drinks, whatever, is gonna go straight into his body. This is a creepy. This gives, like, mean, the same feelings of that Chucky doll. Dang, that, I mean, the thing wasn't full, mind you, but it was like three quarters full. And she's like, and it's like almost empty. I bet she finishes it by the end of the scene. <laughs> Rona's like, oh, you thirsty? And Molly's like, oh, uh, just uh, keep talking about, you know, baby stuff. Again with the sex organs! Oh my god! Because she mentions the sex organs and Rona does in the sequel. Like, what do you want, a boy or a girl when she's pregnant with uh, Julie? And, of course, she's like, oh, um, if you want to have a boy, you eat more sodium-rich foods. If you want a girl, you eat more dairy. I remember that because I'd seen Luke who's talking, too. I had the VHS tape. I watched it, like, all the time. So, both the penis and the vagina apparently are made out of the same... S- tissue folds and by the second trimester one can identify the vulva or penis and then we get a sex that joke as we go to mikey like oh look i got another arm coming in down there we get the same type of joke from julie when she's like oh look at that another mouth two hands two arms two mouths what (laughs) luckily in the third one the dogs don't make a like hey i got a, a little Pinky coming down there and down there, some bullshit like that. No, this movie, it's not for children. They're gonna make a penis or vagina joke. It's like, oh, look, there's another room coming in down there. What's he doing way down there? How am I gonna get that in my mouth? Oh, bros. Chubby Charles. What in the hell is that the company he works for? It says, Chubby Charles Restaurants. It says, Chubby Charles Restaurants, coast to coast. So I'm guessing that's what, um, what, uh, Albert does for a living. Molly, of course, she's always gotta, she gotta be eating. she got a bag of, like, tortilla chips just r- wolfing them down. You know she's having a boy, she's and all that sodium. Oh, Molly, of course, knows where Albert's office is, and she goes to go right in there, but the secretary's like, Miss, Miss, excuse me, Miss. She's like, "What can I do for you?" This lady's a bitch, and of course Molly's mouth is full with tortilla chips. She's like, "Oh, our morton is expecting me," and of course the lady's like, "Well, he's inside with his interior decorator, so you'll have to sit over there until he comes out for you." Albert comes out with this decorator. You can tell he's probably fucking her on the side, too. And the look on Molly's face, because he is, like, too close for comfort with his interior designer. They look too comfortable together as so they walk out of his office. And her hand immediately goes to her stomach. And it's just, like, ugh, you feel bad for Molly. But then again, I mean... So as soon as they go into his office, he and Molly are making out, and Molly's like, Oh Albert, do you think that other woman out woman out there's pretty? And of course he's like, Oh no, you're pretty. So he's had his office remodeled, and she's like, Oh my gosh, I look like a fat pilgrim and he's like, Oh hey, what do you think of the desk? And of course it's like, it's just a fucking desk, who gives a shit? Apparently it's made from stone from the Yucatan Mountains. <sighs> Fuck off. I'm sorry, but anyone that's gonna be into that shit is gonna be an interior decorator. (laughs) I'm sure that, like, if he promised to buy that, she offered to suck his dick or something. I mean, come on. i got a damn jukebox! What the hell? This guy's living extravagant. And he's got, like, a white and black checkered floor. Like, dude, do you think you're in a freaking 50s restaurant? He's got these big, giant pictures of like women from the whatever hundreds like covering their naked boobies or something like that it's just gross I mean I'm not really into art that much not that kind of art but uh, he's like oh all this stuff's gonna go I'm gonna have custom made mural of an ancient Navajo design ugh yawn He's like leading her around and just explaining what he's going to do and she could give no fucks. Just like me. And he's like, this family of leather craftsmen in Mexico is making all new couches. Dude! He's got money to burn apparently. Holy shit. How about send some of that money to Molly? He's like, oh, what do you think? And she's like, oh, well, I like the deco stuff. And then he ends up Fat-shaming her, saying, oh, you need to watch your weight. When my wife Beth was pregnant with so-and-so, she only gained this many pounds. It's like, dude, he is a piece of shit. He should not be a father, and he is definitely not a good role model for Mikey. Uh, Understanding Mikey's disappointment when it's like, who the hell is this loser? This guy's my father? Fuck that. Yeah, what he's talking about, oh, you shouldn't gain too much weight, she's like, well, my doctor said my weight is fine. And now he's all, like, on the Beth train saying, oh, well, Beth only gained 21 pounds. Yeah, he's all on the Beth train, like, oh, she jogged three miles a day until a week before Astrid was born. Who, I guess, maybe that's the daughter that he was out on the balcony with. And of course... Molly's like, oh wow, what a champ. Maybe you should marry her. And Albert's like, hey, don't start. You're not the only one with problems. I'm like, excuse me, fuckwad. I would have gotten upset. You know what? Fuck your shit. I'm not working with you anymore. He's apologizing to him. And she's like, well, I'm afraid of giving birth. I've never been real big on pain. I don't know anyone who's big on, who's big on pain. And if they are, well, more power to them. So he asks her if she's been practicing Lamaze. And she says, I quit. And he's like, what? What do you mean you quit? Molly says, well, it's just a bunch of breathing. And then he goes back on the Beth train saying, like, oh, Beth did this. Say, like, oh, you gotta give it a chance. It's so much better for the baby. When Beth had Priscilla, and Molly's had a fucking enough. Like, I am sick of hearing about Beth. Molly's trying to understand, wrap her head around the fact that, you know, he's still in love with his wife, yet he can, you know, someone like Beth, and then also be in love with someone like Molly, who are two completely different individuals. And then she starts comparing and contrasting her and Beth's, A like, uh, Molly's got a business degree. Apparently, Beth took belly dancing lessons. Molly bought medical insurance and, uh, Beth buys magic crystals. Molly found out she was pregnant. She made out a will. Well, that's not a bad idea. And when Beth had her daughters, she had a reading of their past lives. Well, whatever, I guess. That's your jam. She's just frustrated with the fact that he keeps saying, I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to leave my wife. It's like, yeah, but you're still weather with her. I don't get it. Okay. Um, yeah, he's like, he pulls out of his suit jacket a receipt for an apartment complex. He's never going to leave his fucking wife. He just wants a place that he can go and bring his ladies and, and, and fuck late women, whatever. He wants a bachelor pad, is basically what this dude wants, is a bachelor pad where he can still be married to his wife, still play daddy to his kids, well, the ones he has with his wife, and then fuck, be a fuckboy, or a playboy, or whatever, the other half of the time. And this pretty much cements the fact when she asks, can I come by tonight, he's like, oh, you better not. It's not really set up yet. He says, we gotta be careful a little while longer. Fuck off! So Molly and Rona are shopping, and Molly's like, "Hey, do you think this store has a bathroom?" And Rona's like, "Molly, you went two stores ago. You're like, gonna go again." So Molly's like, looking at dresses, like, "Oh, I love this dress. Look, it takes two of them to cover me." Well, you're not gonna be pregnant forever. You'll get the you'll get the body back. And Rona's like, "Yeah, but come on, you're having a baby." So Molly's like, "Here, you try it on because I can't." This is just. The life of the single ladies that are just going out there and mingling. And Rona's like, oh, I want a baby. Should I have one with Neil? And Molly's like, well, do you love him? And she's like, "Eh, not really. (laughs) Not really. Molly even tells Rona she should hit up some of that Nobel Prize winner sperm. And Rona's like, yeah, just what I need. A kid telling me what, my kid telling me what an idiot I am. And Rona's like, I can't picture a Nobel Prize winner ejaculating into a jar. Well, if you get paid for it. No shame in that game. And Molly's all like, I'm so lucky I found a nice, handsome family man. It's like, yeah, but it's someone else's family. Molly well, is, would you call her a smidge on the delusional side? I, I, maybe not delusional. I am probably being hard on her. But it's like, yeah, he left his wife and we're gonna have a baby together. Rona makes a comment because the whole time they're kind of getting uh, Rona into this dress. We hear this, and of course, we see Albert slamming his fucking interior decorator in a dressing room. This fucking twat monkey. I want to rip his balls off and shove them up his ass. And shove his dick down his throat. Can I do that? I can't. Okay. And the look of just heartbreak and really on Molly's face. Like, Molly, he is not going to change. And the look of horror inc- horror on Rona's face. Like, the fuck? He doesn't even look bothered by it. It's like, oh no, I got caught with someone who's not my wife. Also got caught by the person I fucked and also isn't my wife. <laughs> just, Rona just looks at him like, you are fucking nasty, dude. Ew. gank ass self. actually runs out like, oh, let me explain, Molly. Like, no, I would have kept walking. Like, bye. And I love Rona, and you got the interior decorator. I don't know what the fuck her name. I don't really care either. Because they're both wearing dresses that got a security tag on them because they didn't pay for them. And I heard Ronan's response, like, oh, this I gotta hear. And it's like, you're not taking the shit from him, are you, Molly? Of course, you know that the store owner's gonna come up like, hey, ladies, these dresses have not been paid for. Move it inside, or I call the cops. This, I'm gonna play this cloak because this guy, I, I swear, I just want to punch him in the face. I want to shove his dick down his throat. I want to shove his balls up his ass. I just, ugh, I hate him.
1: Albert, what's going on? Molly, I've fallen in love. Beth knows all about it. I'm I'm going to live with Melissa. I don't know if it'll last or what. It just happened, and I had to act on it. Robert, how can this be? And why didn't you say anything to me about it? I, I didn't want to upset you when you were so close to the end of your pregnancy. Molly, this has Molly, I know this sounds awful, but I'm going through a selfish phase right Not now. you. Selfish phase? I admit the timing is bad. Mm. A selfish face. his eyes like out. like I planned, it? It just <laughs> A SELFISH FACE ALBERT YOU dead, and STUPID DECK! Not... MOLLY! Here,
0: MOLLY! YES! GET HIM RUNA! GET HIM! Yeah. So he claims that he told Beth that he and... I think her name's like Allison are gonna live together. Oh, so that's why he got the apartment for his girlfriend? Uh-huh. He's like, I don't know if it's gonna last or not. I mean, I've fallen in love. It's an accident. It didn't, these things happen. And it's just like, I'm going through a selfish stage. I'm like, I want to scratch his eyes out so bad. She's like, oh, you a selfish face? Albert, you dick! You stupid, selfish piece of shit. So she starts walking away, and we see Rona jump on his back. And I'm like, get him, Rona! <laughs> Molly's walking along, and of course what happens? Her water breaks. It's like, oh, shit! And this guy, she's trying to get a cab to the hospital, and this guy like comes in like, like sorry, I was here first. I don't care that you're pregnant. I'm guessing what Mikey is seeing when we see him inside the womb is like the, the contractions of like the, his space is kind of getting uh, more and more cramped. She's like, hey buddy, please, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh! I was here first. And she's like, you fucking prick. It's just as well because she gets into James Ubriaco's cab. I swear, he is about as cool as they can. They are he is as cool as they come. I'm telling you, if you want to get if you want to get a cab, you get a cab by this dude because this guy knows the back ways to go. So she slips into the back seat and she says Saint Jerome's Hospital, and he's like, "What are you?" And he looks and he can tell she's distressed. It's like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah, she's clearly in labor. Like he's gotta get going. Well, she's yelling at James to slow down, like, hey, look, the first stage of labor can take hours, and of course James is like, yeah, well, so can Midtown traffic. He's driving very erratically. Of course, he, he knows where he's going and what roads he has to take, but he's got to do a little finagling with the traffic, and luckily, while he, luckily while he's shouting at someone to pull over till the lewds wear off, he almost hits a damn truck. And she's like, hey, can you go any faster? And he's like, fuck, this traffic. Look, we're going as fast as I can. Like, I can't move the cars, okay? It's like, really, you're only going to be able to go as fast as the car in front of you is going to let you. That's just how it is. You can't just, I'm going to monster jam, you know, monster truck over this car. You're not going to do that because that's stupid. And that's not reality. No, it isn't until she gets into the vehicle and he's driving that she. Oh god, my water just broke! Oh shit! I think she was just having contractions and she's like, "Okay, I gotta get to the hospital." But n- now in the cab, her water just broke. So of course, there's cones and construction blocking off the road, and the guy's like, "You gotta go that way to go two miles and turn around." And, and James is like, "Look, I got an emergency." It's like, "No, no, no, you gotta." James is like, "Fuck it," and going through the roadblock. And we're gonna get to the hospital. Basically, driving through a construction site with cement trucks and gravel and all that shit. He's like driving so erratically. He's driving on the sidewalk now. He's like, "Oh, are you doing your?" Well, mom's breathing, and she's like, "Well, you look out. You're like on the sidewalk, man." He's like, hey, you want me to call your husband when we get to the hospital? And she's like, I don't have a husband. like, okay, a boyfriend? And she's like, look, if you need to know my life story, I was artificially inseminated. And he jumps right on the whole, what are you, a lesbo? Why is it in 89 people thought the only ones getting artificially inseminated were lesbians? Come on. Look, she gives him is just like, oh, she's so insulted. Like, how dare you call me a lesbian? Of course, James gets to St. Jerome's Hospital, parks right in the fire lane where an ambulance is unloading a patient into the hospital. So Molly gets out of the cab, and James gets out of the cab, and she goes around to the side to get onto the sidewalk of the hospital, and she just starts beating the hell out of James, like, You idiot! My kid will probably be brain damaged because of you. I'm sure he'll be fine. So Molly goes in there says, I'm in labor. The first thing the nurse asks is if she's got her medical card. Like, she probably doesn't have her purse on her. It's probably in the cab, most likely. And, of course, we got an official for the hospital. One of the ambulance people is like, hey, your cab's in the loading zone. And James is like, look, I'm loading someone here, okay? He's like, look, uh, what's your problem? And the guy's like, just get your cab out of the loading zone, Okay. And Molly's like, "This is my first baby. I don't know what I'm doing." And of course, the lady is not helpful. Like, "Look, we can't admit you without your card." Luckily, there's a doctor there. Like, just get her in a wheelchair. Get her upstairs. The damn nurse and the doctor are like bitching at each other because the nurse's like, "No, she didn't finish this. She didn't fill out this form." I'm like, "Fuck you. She's in labor. You want her to have her baby right there in the lobby?" Relax! She'll fill the form out later! It's not a life or death issue! Let her have her baby! One of the orderlies grabs James, like, alright, the first thing you gotta do, you gotta put these on, so, you know, the scrubs and everything, and it's like, James is like, yeah, but I'm not the father! I'm just, I just drove her to the hospital! It's like, no, 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 put these on, okay? Like, you're already... A part of it. You're going to complete the whole thing. You drove her to the hospital. You got to be there for the delivery. Somebody's got to be there to support her. Her baby daddy ain't going to do it. Because he's fucking his interior decorator in the dressing room. So it's got to be you. So Molly's in the room. Hooked up to machines. And she's having her contractions. Of course, we see Mikey, what he's going through inside the womb, is he's being hit with a contraction, too. Like, bouncing around, you know, hitting him in the head and the stomach. And like, okay, okay, this will pass. Watch your head. <laughs> Granted, it's like, it's soft tissue and stuff that's hitting him. So, but still, it's got to be uncomfortable for him. Because it's, what, an amniotic sac? It's just a, a womb that, you know, the water's leaking out, so... Eventually, he's going to want to be, you know, have to be born. He doesn't have a choice. He can't stay in the womb forever. No matter how squishy warm I'm sure it is. And mind you, Molly doesn't have the drugs. So, and the nurse who's just hanging out reading National (laughs) National Enquirer while she's eventually going to be dilated. Just chill, like, oh, don't worry, just relax, keep your breathing, do your Lamas breathing. Molly's like, I need some drugs, I gotta have some drugs. And the, ner- the nurse is just like, slow down your breathing, you're not in aerobics class. And of course, Molly's like, fuck my breathing! Like, a demon takes over her body, like, fuck my breathing! This sounds like the girl from the exorcist! <laughs> and of course, James comes in, they're all like, decked out in his scrub wear he's like babe you gotta calm down i'll have to get the exorcist in here okay. <laughs> so she grabs james by his uh scrub shirt and yanks him him to her like uh, give me some drugs and he's like oh you don't want drugs like, i do i really do he's like god oh, i'm gonna split into you probably those contractions are making you feel like you're going to split into I can't even imagine what contractions are like. If they're anything like the cramps I get during my period. (laughs) But they're probably, that's probably, contractions are probably like your period times a million. James turns to the nurse, like, do something. And the nurse is like, what do you want me to do? She's almost fully dilated. And it's like, by the time the drugs take effect, she could be delivering. James is like, well, what about now? And she's like, well, the doctor's coming. I can't do anything without his g- consent. He's James runs out in the hallway like, you're a doctor, you're a doctor. Come on, come on, come on. Luckily, he does give Molly something for the pain. Take a little bit of the, what do you say, the itch off the contractions? Oh, he says it'll take the edge off your contractions, not the itch off. What did I? Th- I don't know. See, I watched this back when uh, there weren't subtitles, so. <laughs> she also says, like, oh, you better give me a lot because I'm actually in a lot more pain than most of your patients. And the look on the nurse is like, oh, bitch, don't you dare. You're just having a baby. What, what the lady herself probably had a kid, like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> look that she gives—it's <laughs> just funny. The nurse just like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me." Molly's like, "Oh, how much? How long before it kicks in? Because I want you to give me enough that lasts and last. And right away, she's like, "Oh, thank you!" Like it kicks in immediately. Of course, we all know that Mikey is gonna have an effect with these things as well, as he's, like, in the womb, and he's like, ooh, the colors, and just, ooh, look at my hand. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, whatever, like, Bingley gave hers having an effect on him, because he's like, Ooh, here's Mr. Hand. It's like those people out there that have, like, done what, like, marijuana, or what, they're like high for the first time, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't get the concept, like, oh, I have a hand, look, it's got, wow, look, it moves. <laughs> of course, while he's looking at his hand, he notices a little light. Go to the light, Mikey. All will be well in the light. Alright, so we got the doctor who told her, confirmed, you know, she's pregnant. James is helping her with the breathing, like, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And she's pushing, and you're seeing him being sucked into the canal. Like, stop with the pushing already! It's like he's falling, and... I just remember the movie Casper, when... Cat asks how, what dying is like. He's like it was like being born but backwards. So I'm gonna play the clip of Mikey's arrival into the world.
1: Hey, hey oh, listen, line. oh, listen, let's be reasonable. Hey, get that thing away from me. Wait a minute, what are you gonna do with that? T- get, get, uh, don't no, give that to him. No, hey, you, you wait a minute. This one, okay. let's, let's talk about the. Ow! I need that! Oh! Oh, oh. lady, you and the gray, please, a blanket, something. I'm frosty out here. Oh, hey, no, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Oh, hey! Oh. Get it out oh. of Oh, where are we going now? Hey! Don't drop me. Oh, 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 very nice. Uh, Lady, I don't know about you, but I'm beat. So you're the one that's been kicking me. Well, you were the one that ate all that spicy food. This has got to be the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me, well, so far. I don't get it. I just don't get it, and I don't like it. Where did I go wrong? Where are my
2: thumbs? Where the hell are my thumbs? I want to suck my thumbs!
1: Boy, I gotta think about getting my own place. I did not think I'd be reincarnated this quickly. What a surprise!
2: Boy. Who stole
0: my sucking thing? <laughs> I need my sucking thing Just to remember I hate childhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, we get like the Mikey's point of view coming out of the the birth canal and just be entering the world and he's like <laughs> <laughs> he sees a, you know, a person, like, with a mask covering his face. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> he's, like, screaming for help, an Crying. And he's like, oh, no, pop me back in. Pop me back in. And the doctor's like, it's a boy. And I, I thought she already kind of knew that it was a boy. Or was she just, like, assuming it's a boy? Because Albert got him a onesie, you know, thinking it was going to be a boy and everything like that. When you're referring to a baby and you don't know the sex of it, you know, that you're having, do you refer to it automatically as a he or she or just the baby? I don't know. But uh, his, his eyes, Mikey's eyes are just kind of looking like, who's that? Who's that? And just looking like, ah, who are you? You know, Molly, like, what? It's like, I don't know what to make of any of this. And of course, you know he's like uh, the doctor's like, "Do you want to cut the cord to James?" James like, "No, no, I don't want it. You better do it." And Mikey's like, "Don't give that to him!" <laughs> like clearly, you can tell like James is an amateur. Like he, he's never done that before. And of course, they're doing the protocol, you know, cutting the umbilical cord and putting a th- what is it like a thermometer or something in his mouth probably to clear out all like the mucus or whatever or whatever's in the baby's mouth kind of clear the airway and then wrapping him in a blanket and handing him to Molly and it's like oh, and she's like oh so you're the one who's been kicking me and Mikey's like well you ate all that spicy food granted he can't you know she can't hear his thoughts but oh we see Mikey in the baby nursery surrounded by other babies like I don't get it I just don't get it and I don't like this and of course, we have a baby, you know, other babies around him, their reactions. <laughs> One baby's like got her hands covered, like, Where are my thumbs? Where the hell are my thumbs? And another baby is like, Oh, I didn't think I'd be uh, re- uh, reincarnated so quickly. And this other baby's like, Where's my sucking thing? She's talking about her pacifier that's like right above her head. And like, Where am I my sucking thing? And then, of course, a reincarnated baby's like, I just remember I hate childhood. And they're just crying. And then we kind of pull back out from behind um, the glass and see these daddies all like waving at their babies and Molly's there by herself and just saying you won't see your daddy here taking pictures of you. But I'm going to do my best to find you a daddy. So she tells baby Mikey through the glass that she is going to find a daddy for him and she's not going to fall for some guy who looks great and... That she's in love with and that Mikey is the only thing that matters to her. So, like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find you the best daddy there is. Alright, we're going to go to Mikey's first night home. And the baby clearly looks like it's been at least a couple months. He looks a little bit older. It's like, uh fellas, I got a little something cold and wet in my shorts down here. Because he's in his crib and he's got like a little mobile. And of course, they're just little uh, figurines on a mobile. <laughs> they can't really help him. But basically he probably needs his diaper changed. He's like, oh, you guys are no help. I'm cold and I'm wet and there's nothing I can do about it. And he just starts crying and luckily Molly gets right up to take care of him. I can only imagine being a baby and you're wearing a diaper and, you you know, you can't go to the toilet so you wet your diaper and it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be wet, and it's like you gotta rely on your parental figure to come and hopefully diagnose you know, the cry, the, the wet cry, the hungry cry. And she's like, oh, and this is where we learn his name. She's like, it's okay, Mikey. Mommy's here. And she brings him a bottle. Well, he needs to have his diaper changed. He's like, oh, very nice. That mommy person's here again. I like her. He quickly realizes that whenever he cries, she comes running to his aid. So he's like, let me see crying brings mommy. If I cry, she'll come and take care of me. Okay. Oh, I can definitely do crying. And of course we get our second this is going to be the first Mikey montage. There's at least a couple or a few of them, depending. And we get Janis Joplin's Cry Baby, which I love this song. I also love the Chantel song in the beginning. There are a lot of songs in this movie that I really, really like. We do see Molly wake up. She's got the baby monitor in her room. Of course she's got, I'm, is that the cord to the baby monitor? Because <laughs> she ends up tripping over that. It's right near the doorway. And clearly it's probably going to be really early in the morning, like maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. So you're probably sleep deprived, not realizing it. And whoop! Or what, I think that might be the phone cord. I was right. That was the phone cord. So she's so sleep deprived, she doesn't realize that she's pouring coffee into the baby bottle. Like shit. And her hair just looks like pfft, a hot mess. And she doesn't realize she put coffee in there until she like is like testing it on her wrist. And it's like why is it brown? Oh shit! <laughs> you see Molly lugging baby Mikey and one of those um baby uh what do you call those things baby sling or something like that she's also got stuff that's it got diapers in it and all that also i think she's also got a she's loaded down with so much stuff and also her purse She's trying to get a taxi while her hands are, you know, holding her kid, holding the diaper stuff, all of that, and she's got to like raise her. Oh, there's a Starbucks. Uh, she's got to raise her leg up to try to get a taxi. It's like, uh, and she's even like putting her finger in about like to try to whistle, like nothing. Luckily, okay, one pulls up right. Where she needs it. Of course, we do see a montage of poor baby Mikey just crying, sitting in his car seat, crying on the kitchen table. Now he's in his booster seat, his uh, high chair, and he spilled like some juice or something, and he's he's crying. His face is messy. He's got like food in his mouth. Oh, actually, no, he's got a couple teeth. He doesn't have food in his mouth. He's got food on his face, and he's like. Crying, and he ends up tipping this cup that doesn't have a a top on it. He's got to be at least maybe four to five months at this point. And he tips the cup back because it's on his finger as he's crying, and it just goes over the back of the high chair. (laughs) Molly, why are you giving him a cup that doesn't have a top on it like a sippy cup? If he's old enough to not have a bottle then he's old enough (coughs) to have a sippy cup. He's too young to just have a cup with no lid. I wonder how they're getting the babies to cry like that. So we're moving out of that montage. Molly's in the park reading about first-time mothers and postpartum depression. She's like, oh, well, that isn't going to happen to me. Mood swings and everything. And then cut to her bawling her eyes out at a commercial. And poor baby Mikey who is bawling his eyes out because he needs to be burped. Probably all the built up pressure. It's like, please burp me before I blow up. Yeah, she reads, due to changing hormones, over 80% of women get postpartum depression. She's like, well, I'm not going to. And immediately she's like bawling. Hey, look who it is. It's, um... What was that, uh, Jonathan Garvey's name, the actor's name? Meryl. Um, Meryl something. Merrill so- Merrill something? Yeah, Meryl Olsen here is in a commercial. I think he's like checking into a hotel or something. That's what. So it's like many parents, I can't always call on the birthday of someone I love. And <laughs> poor Mikey's crying like somebody helped burp me before I th- blow up. Poor kid. How is that any you know a kid needing to, baby needing to be burped? How is that different from like someone having painful heartburn and like pressure built up in their chest? So she picks him up. He burps, and she's oh my gosh, you have an exotic baby disease. Like what? He's fine. He just needed to be burped. He's fine. See, he's not even crying anymore. She's just crying and complaining. Like, poor me. Poor my life. Poor I can't provide for my baby. And your biological father is fucking his interior decorator. <sighs> he does not need that man in his life. He is better off without him. you like, I think you can safely say that it can't get any worse. And here comes her mother. <laughs> Old grandma. <laughs> Grandma went shopping because she's got, like, a bunch of, like, stuffed animals and toys for Mikey. Like, he doesn't have so many, but it's a gr- it's her first grandkid, so, yeah. i going to play this clip with her. She just loves her grandbaby so much. Even at some point, Molly can't even help but laugh. Where's
1: my grandson? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Hello, Mikey. Do you know who I am? Uh, no. Actually, I don't. I'm your grandma. Okay, lady. If you say so, you're my grandma. Yes. Oh, yeah. So what do you want from me? (laughs) Who's got a wet tushy? (laughs) I give up. (laughs) Okay, now, after a new diaper, I really like some of that white stuff on me, okay? All right. Have you got it? Oh, good. There it is.
2: All right. Put some on me.
1: Come on now. They have to keep this firm and cold. All right, look. All right, just give it to me and I'll put it on. Give me it. Like I had come here. Product. Just let Whatever. me get my hands on it and I'll put it on. Thank you. Oh, okay. There we go. Why don't you get out of this house, huh? I'm going to give Mikey a little bath then. We're gonna have a bubble. What? Oh, yeah, she's gone.
0: I just love Olympia Dukakis. (laughs) I just think she's such a riot. So of course, little Mikey's getting his diaper changed he's like, "Oh, now after a new diaper, i like that white stuff put on me." And of course, he's like, "Oh, you got it, great." <laughs> and it's just it's just so funny. I like white powder that I guess you put a baby powder that you put on the diaper and the baby's bum bum. And <laughs> she tells Maggie, uh, I almost called her Maggie, Molly to, like, you know, you you just, you take off and you have a you day. Because me and Mikey here, going to give him a bath and then we're going to have a baba. And M- Mikey's like, what? A what? <laughs> I just love when she, like, picks him up originally when she comes like, who's got a wet tushy? Tushy, tushy, tushy! Now Maggie's... i got to stop with Maggie. Why am I calling her Maggie? Molly. Molly, Molly, Molly. Molly is on a hunt to look for a daddy for... baby. Okay, guys. Hold on a second. I missed a whole section here. I'm just thinking about it. Like, wait just a moment. We're going to put a pin in this, and I'll be right back. Because we missed a section. I thought it was a little weird. Like, she had her purse. Like, wait a minute. I thought James had to bring her her purse. So let's go back to that. So, yeah, we're at the apartment with Molly. This is right after she takes uh, the baby home. This is right after the scene um, in the hospital through the baby walking glass. And she's in the bathroom. Like, oh, he's, like, he's like testing his fingers. Like, is he in? Out? And she's like, oh, she goes in Littleface, like, hey, Little Face what you got there? Did you, got, did you find a hand? He's like, yeah, I got two of them. <laughs> so she definitely refers a lot to the early motherhood stages, talking about, you know, her breast size, and since she's most likely going to be breastfeeding or not, we don't know. And she goes to the book she can't believe how much her breasts have swelled up like oh my god they're enormous she immediately go <laughs> consult i gotta consult the book what's going on here remember she's a first time mommy so this is all like brand new to her she reads on the third or fourth por- postpartum day your breasts may swell slightly She's like, slightly, I look like a Ross Meyer movie. Of course, there is a ringing of the doorbell. She picks up Mikey in his little baby carrier and heads for the door. So she, he, he's like, workman, and she goes, she opens it. The door is, uh, is, um, to her front house. is Her apartment is unlocked. That is so unsafe. So right away, James comes in. He's like, oh, you got your figure back. And she's, like, closing up her her robe, like, this is not my figure. And he's like, oh, well, you got Dolly Parton's figure back. She does apologize, like, hey, look, I'm sorry I hit you the other day and yelled at you. I just, I was in a lot of pain. Apparently, you know, she was, you know, unable to pay for the cab for it. London! Stop! No, he's not! He's playing in that cardboard box and making a ruckus. Dear. Yeah. If Quinn were in there doing the same thing, I'd be yelling at her. Yes, I would. Same scenario. I'd be doing the same thing I'm doing right now. Whatever, Jeremy. As I apologize, my rabbit decided to uh, go play in a cardboard box. And he's uh, making a lot of ruckus. She figures someone stole her purse and, you know, he's coming to collect the cab fare that she owes him. Turns out she actually just left it in the... Cab, and that's why he brought it. I'm gonna play this clip with James's uh, reaction with Mikey, like, "Hey, buddy, how do you like New York so far?" And Mikey's thinking, like, "Yeah, it's my kind of down. It's pretty cool." Of course, she goes to give James a tip and says, "It's sorry, it's a pretty crappy one, but I'll get back to you later." But of course, she finds out because she's like, "How do you? How did you know where I live?" And he's like, "Yeah, your purse. It was in the back of my cab." He's like, "Oh." Yeah, you're still carrying your diaphragm in there. Of course, when I saw this movie, I didn't know what that was, diaphragm. I thought it's the thing you sing from, but apparently it's a form of birth control.
2: I was in a lot of pain, and I know I still owe you that cab fare. Somebody stole my purse at the
1: hospital, I don't keep much cash around. How you doing, Val? How do you like New York so far? Hey, it's my kind of town. All right, this is a crummy tip, but I'll get back to you later. Wait a minute how did you know where i lived you left it in the cab thanks you never look through that thing do you
2: why do you say that
1: you're still carrying around your diaphragm <laughs>
2: do smoke that around my baby?
0: Or even in the
1: third don't you know that it's a 62% higher rate getting cancer for non-smokers who live with smokers? What are you trying to say? You don't want me to move in yet or what? <laughs> you know. I don't know. What do you think? You think the drugs had any effect on him or what? How did you know I had drugs? I don't. I didn't. It's just you can tell in his eyes he looks like stoned or something.
2: He doesn't
1: look stoned. It looks perfect. Well, you, don't look, you don't look so hot yourself. Either. Why don't you try squeezing something the size of a
2: watermelon out of an opening the size of a lemon and see how hot you look.
1: I should call my mother more often, huh? Get it? <laughs> you want to sub? I got to sub. No, thank you. Will, you. will you just watch him for a couple of minutes while I change my clothes? Sure. And don't take him out of this chair and don't
2: touch him a whole lot.
1: How you doing, Mikey? I'm James. Hey, James. Good to meet you. You mind if I suck on that? Sweet. So how long you been here? About five years. Oh, yeah? In the same apartment? Yes. You were born in New York, weren't you?
2: Yeah. What are you, with the Census Bureau or something?
1: How do you like the outside world, huh? It's weird, isn't it? You spend nine months trying to get out and the rest of your life trying to get back in? Yeah, tell me about it. Oh, this? This here is your first lesson in coffee. Without anything in it, it's black coffee. Can you say black coffee? Nope. And then there's coffee regular. Okay? That means two sugars and milk, which they have forgotten. So can I borrow some of yours? Oh, no. Ah, coffee regular. I love it. You know, that's breast milk. (laughs) Why did you tell me? (laughs) Hey, man, you're on your own. Alright. I'll see you guys later, okay? I'm gonna take myself and my breast milk, and I'm gonna get out of here. Be cool, James.
0: Okay. So, immediately, James lights up in Molly's apartment. Like, dude, first of all, you're in someone else's residence. What if they don't want you smoking in there? Third, second, uh, most importantly, you're smoking right in front of a newborn. Like, right in front of him. She takes a cigarette right out of his mouth so fast. Like, don't smoke that around my baby. And then she's doing a statistic about, like, 62% of non-smokers living with smokers have the highest rate of getting cancer. The thing that is a little weird here. He's like, hey, do you, 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 I don't know, do you think the drugs had any effect on him? And she's like, how do you know I took drugs? She must not remember him being there in the delivery room and also in the examination room because he was the one who had to go and flag a doctor to get her drugs. But he's like, oh, no, I didn't. It's like, dude, you were there. You were the one who got the doctor, found a doctor to administer the drugs to her so she should be thanking you. Because if, if you think about it, if it weren't for him, she'd probably be giving birth on that sidewalk in front of that store. And if it weren't for him, she probably would have had to have gone through that experience, minus the drugs. And he's like, oh, what do you think? I think he looks stoned. Mikey looks stoned, don't you think? And she's like, no, he doesn't look stoned. He looks perfect. Like, dude. <laughs> Dude, you're getting off on the wrong foot. Well, he already kind of was off on the wrong foot in a way. But it's like, you're not helping your case here by smoking in front of her baby and saying he looks stoned. And saying she got Dolly Parton's figure back. But that's just, that's just James. That's just, that's the way he rolls. So she makes a comment about, because he's like, oh man, you don't look so hot yourself. And she's like, why don't you try pushing a water, uh, something the size of a watermelon out of something the size of a lemon hole and see how well you handle that. And James is like, Yeah, I should call my mother some more <laughs> get it? <laughs> call my mother. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So she's like, Look, I'm gonna change. Can you like watch him for a hot second? Just please don't touch him or anything like just just watch him with your eyes. Don't put your hands on him. So James sits down in front of Mikey, he's like, Hey Mikey, I'm James. How's it? going? How do you like New York so far? And then he's like asking Molly like, hey, how long you been in New York? Is uh, You lived here long? And she finally say, what are you with the census bureau? It's like, no, he just wants to you know, know a little about you. Which he probably could have gotten some of that information from her driver's license. I don't know. So is James making a sex joke here where he says like you spend the first he- like nine months of your like like trying to get out, and then you spent the rest of your life trying to get back in. Is that like you spend nine months trying to get out of the womb, then you try to like get back in, or what? With, with, I don't know. So, James is uh, explaining coffee to Mikey with your first lesson in coffee. It's pretty much just black coffee. Coffee regular is going to be milk and two sugars. They forgot the milk. Can I borrow? He's got Mikey's got a bottle of milk there. On the table next to him, and he's like, "I'm gonna borrow that. Thanks, Mikey." And of course, he goes to drink it, and Molly's in the door, like, "Oh, that's breast milk!" And right away, James spits that out. So he actually he offers Molly a sub if she wants one, and he's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here and take my sub and my breast milk and get out of here bye. And that's pretty much that scene. I just for a little it's like wait a minute, there's a second, where James comes up and gives her her purse back. I wouldn't have thought of that if I didn't see her trying to hail a cab and having her purse on her. So, not, we're going to go back to the point in the movie where she is out with Rona. And she's kind of talking about the type of husband. Well, per, well, the type of father that would be best for Mikey. So, she's pretty much on the father-daddy hunt. For Mikey, So Rona really isn't help when Molly's like, what kind of guy would you get f- to raise your kid or um, for your f- for your kid? What kind of man would you want? And she's like, oh, small mouth, great hair, broad shoulders. And Molly's like, well, I mean, what kind would you want to stick around to help you raise your kid? And Rona's like, there are men that do that. So she pretty much gives rona her list of what she's looking for she doesn't want a man who's married clearly she's learned that mistake not to get into that again clearly she doesn't want someone who's into drugs someone who's not an alcoholic not a deadbeat but not somebody that works 20 hours a day and rona's like yeah but don't forget cute and molly's like cute is not a consideration a physical attraction does help yes i'm guessing this is mr is this anal or impatient because it looks like the guy is complaining about his steak being raw instead of because he wanted well done. And also, like, I, what is this shit that's on top of it? It's, like, covered in slop. I didn't want this. It's, like, who do you have to kill to get one of the bread rolls I see on other tables? This guy's, and Molly is just, like, cringing. And then we get a, like, oh, this is going to be great to see how this guy would father her kid. And she just kind of fast forward to this guy like going over Mikey's report card like oh you got to see in this subject what's wrong with you we went over and over and over this are you some kind of idiot so it looks like the next day I think this has got to be the anal guy this has got to be yeah the anal guy Because he's really preoccupied with, and then I guess this is someone from the health club that she's going out with this next guy, who's concerned with the silverware, which is understandable. He's like, oh, this is really spotty, there's something floating in my drink. He, this guy's not even paying attention to her. So it's basically, he flags down a uh, passing staff and says, Well, this fork is dirty. This plate looks spotty. And I think there's something floating in my drink. And he's like, Oh, have you tracked your drink? to Molly?" now she fast forwards to seeing this guy raising Mikey. Who's complaining about the state at which his clothes are messed up in the dresser drawers. What is this mess? I are white socks in the same room with colored socks. What are school shirts doing mixed up with after school shirts? And he's like, "You're not going anywhere until this is straightened up properly." Ugh, this guy, both guys are t- not good. Probably why they're still single. So Molly's getting back. She sees James in her building. James, of course, was putting some. Letter, some mail from a uh, Vincent Ubriaco. We later learned that that's James's last name, Ubriaco, and Vincent, of course, is his grandfather. Maggie just, why am I calling her Maggie? Molly assumes that he's just there because he's a cab driver that he's just waiting there to take somebody where they need to go. And he's like, oh, because she, I guess, is getting more mail. For this guy, so I think James is purposely putting that mail there so they can have these um, little meetups. He tells her just put the mail that doesn't belong to you up on the top of the little mailbox, and the United States Postal Service, who the worker will just come and get it and take it where it needs to be. So she's like, "Oh, it's nice to see you again." So, she goes around the corner, and he just takes the mail, and she, of course, notices, like, you're stealing mail! Why are you stealing the mail? That's a federal offense. And she calls him a stupid son of a bitch, like, you're stealing my mail. It's like, first of all, that's not your mail, because it doesn't have your name on it, so chill out. So, James says that he sent him there, and he wants to explain the situation, that his grandfather is Vincent. So he tells her that his grandfather's been kicked out of another old age home. He's found a good one for him in Manhattan. However, since he's not a resident, that he was hoping that he could use Molly's address to be able to help his, his grandfather out. Which, that's a good grandson right there. He's helping his grandfather out. I mean, there are people that sometimes, with other people's permission, they do use an address to be able to go to, like, for their kid to go to a certain school or, or whatever. I mean, I know there are people out there like, that's wrong, that's cheating, you shouldn't do that. But certain c- circumstances, I mean, if the person gives you the okay, like, it's cool of them, like, you're not, like, just writing down their address and stuff. then doesn't have a problem. I don't see why it should be a big deal. So she's like, oh, well, you're screwing with the mail. And it's like, well, I'm not stealing your mail. I'm just <laughs> he's pretty much, why don't you do this for me because I brought back your purse. I didn't have to, but I did so. So you wouldn't have to cancel your credit cards and go through all that stuff. So he's kind of like, I helped you out. You can please help me out. So she's, of course, I don't want to get caught. It's illegal. It's not a good idea. And he's like, hey, I will do something for you. I'll babysit. And she's like, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, you'll babysit my kid. I don't think so. So she, of course, thinks, oh, you can't What do you know about babysitting? What do you know about kids? He's like, well, I practically brought up my sister's kids. You know, the one he was, you know, sister he was telling her about when they were on the way to the hospital and all that. He's like, um, okay, well, Friday night. He's like, well, oh, Friday's no good. And she's like, well, then forget it. Like, dude, you brought it up. Be flexible. Like, dude, you brought up the whole babysitting thing. I mean, my God, because she's like, one Friday and also an a robots class. And she's like... Well, he's like, no, I just Friday only. And she's like, forget it then. He's like, fine, one aerobics class. Oh my gosh. So she pretty much gives him the deal. Like, it's going to be this or nothing. So Friday nights, two aerobics classes, and you can't bring chicks over either. She goes to give Mikey a bottle, and he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. He's like pushing the bottle away, I'm like, no, I don't want any milk now. And James is like, well, don't force feed him. And she's like, I'm not. And of course, she wants him to, t- Mikey, to take a nap, and James is like, well, he doesn't need a nap, and she's like, he, of course, he needs a nap, and Mikey's like, I don't need a nap, I don't need a nap, and she's yawning herself. I think she needs a nap, and she's like, well, he doesn't know what he needs. Like, I'm pretty sure, meh. What the hell do I know? Like I said, I don't have kids. Oh, <laughs> James, is like, hey, are you tired? And Mikey's like, no, man, I'm not tired at all. <laughs> So Molly's pretty much saying if he doesn't take a nap now, he's going to want to take a nap when he's supposed to be eat. He's going to want to eat when he, it's time for him to sleep. So she's basically just trying to keep him on a, some type of a schedule. Of course, it's old Dr. Spock here. <laughs> James where are you getting your information from? And she's like... All those doctors, are like, oh yeah, all those doctors, uh-huh, you yeah, know, Dr. Spock here writes a book because he wants to sell it, and uh, you're just one of those sheeple that will just buy into this. <laughs> and Miley is defending Dr. Spock, like, Dr. Spock doesn't just want to sell a book, Dr. Spock loves us! Like, whoa, yeah, she's on the Dr. Spock bandwagon, alright. He's one of his followers. She's even talking about Dr. Spock like protesting during Vietnam and stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, how much you know about this dude? Of course, yeah, we get a Star-, a Star Trek reference. Like, James like talking to Mikey. Like, I can't believe she's so upset about like a, a Vulcan. Big ears, no emotions. Oh, Molly has fallen asleep at the kitchen table. He- James takes her, puts her in her room and then it's like, all right, well, I'm going to take Ma- Mikey. Like, Mikey, let's get out of here for a little bit. Let your mom sleep. And Mikey's thinking, okay, cool. So James takes Mikey out to his car, his cab, and this is something that is going to come back later because he's like showing Mikey how to drive, and Mikey, that you would not put a baby in the passenger seat you would not do that. you definitely wouldn't do that nowadays. you could get probably even arrested for that. but back in 1989, I don't know if it was really frowned upon or if it was. there were no laws against it or if there were people weren't I don't know like I said, I don't know. I was seven in 89. I was sitting in the in the front seat so even putting Mikey's car seat so it's facing the dashboard shouldn't he have it turned around I don't know. I, I love how he's telling Mikey, like, see, this is I'm going to teach you how to drive, so when you're older, I'll actually teach you how to drive. I love how Mikey is just watching him, like, put the key into the ignition, turn it on, and then watching his foot go from the gas to the brake. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I got that. The fact that he's even able to remember that from at the point when he's, like, a year old. Because, like I said, this does come back at the end of the movie. Ah, oh, move the big circle around. So he's gonna take Mikey. This is something that continues in the in the sequel and the other sequel. So look who's talking to, and look who's talking. James right now is a cab driver, but he's his passion, his 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 love is flying. Wanting to pilot a plane. This is what this man lives and breathes for. This is what, basically, logging hours, flight hours, teaching people to fly and stuff like that. So, that's really awesome. It's so cool how he's got Mikey in his arm, in the crook of his arm. He's just, like, playing out, like, James is pointing out, like, different um, planes and stuff like that. It's just, like, so cool. So, we have the, um, the girl, like, I guess, receptionist and she's like oh what a sweet baby is he yours and i love james's response like yeah but we don't know who the mother is yeah and just the girl's like jaw just drops like what he's like seriously i'm kidding (laughs) she called him jamie well i guess james like jamie can be short for james or jim or whatever because he's checking his flight schedule to see if he has any people coming in for training and whatnot and it's blank Mikey zills right in on this girl's chest because she's wearing like a tank top. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. These things come in different sizes? And James is like, what are you looking at, Mikey? Are you noticing the same thing I am? And Mikey's like, yeah, lunch, (laughs) like God. Like, buddy, I don't think there's any milk in those boobies. Yeah, he's like, what are these? Jumbos? (laughs) We go back to the apartment. Molly is just waking up from her nap And she's like Oh my gosh I left Mikey alone on the kitchen table She goes and He's just gone And he's freak- she's upset, freaking out She goes to call the cops And of course she's like Trying to explain the situation And then she realizes that James must have just taken him Alright now James is going to Visit his grandfather while he's At the place that he's at right now Before he gets kicked out what time of years this has gotta be cause it's a wonderful life is on and we know that always plays right around Christmas time. It's gotta be like December. I'm thinking that James's grandfather Vincent has um early on, either early onset Alzheimer's or most likely it's just Alzheimer's. Cause James comes in there with Mikey and he's like, Do I know you? At first I thought maybe he was looking at Mikey, but I think he was looking at James when he asked that question. You know what, now that I just rewound it and looked at it again, I think it was, he was looking at Mikey, asking Mikey if he knew him, or, do I know you? Because doesn't he, he put his, did he take his teeth out or put them back in? He took his teeth out and put them in some form of like a, a cleanser or something like that. Oh, he's got a roommate right there who's just kind of lying there. Oh, because James, when he sits down with Mikey, he's like, see, this is Grandpa. This is Grandpa. He doesn't say, this is my Grandpa. And I think that's why when Vincent looks at Mikey, he's like, do I know you? They're watching the very end of It's a Wonderful Life. You know, the scene where, um, George is holding is it Lulu or Zuzu or whatever, Zuzu's petals? And she's saying, see, teacher says every time a bell rings, that means an angel gets his wings. Like, yes, that's right. Like, Good, good on you, Clarence. Good for you, Clarence. That a boy, Clarence. You know, the angel that helped him see that life was worth living. Oh, because he j- he just looks over at James and Jimmy. Like, finally, like, recognize. Okay. I to play. This is a sweet, this is a sweet and, like, interesting clip between James and he just loves his grandpa really, really well. That
1: Jimmy. Oh, I don't remember you having a baby. No, that's not mine. It's a friend of mine. I'm taking care of him for it. <laughs> you sure it isn't yours? Hey, I got more teeth than him. <laughs> hey, one of those hairy jobs over your eyes. Yikes. All right, <laughs> hey, let me see those things. Let me try and grab one. Oh, there we go. How's that feel? Mikey. Play off of What a crack up. <laughs>
0: so funny. He's like... i Mikey's like, gosh, I got more teeth than this guy! <laughs> because the guy doesn't have his teeth, and he took them out. And he's like, gosh, what are those hairy jobs over your eyes? Here, let me try one of these. And he... Goes and grabs Vince's, like, fuzzy eyebrow and say, okay, easy there, Mikey. <laughs> I just thought that was such a cute scene. Well, James comes back home, or back to Molly's with Mikey in his car seat and everything. He's like, oh my gosh, my baby! You know she's gonna kick his ass. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why did you take my baby out of my uh, apartment? He's like, oh, I was babysitting. Like, uh, no, that means you stay here with the baby. You don't take him outside and just take off with him in your car. She ends up hitting him with like a broom or something. Then she ends up winding up with a sliver in her finger, and he's gotta like try to get the sliver out. And meanwhile, of course, Molly's mother's on the other side of the door, only hearing gall notes, what like her shouting, and he's saying, oh, it's. Hold still, she's like, it's too big, and ugh, you only know what's going through her mother's mind. So While she's hitting him with the broom, she's like, how do I know you're not a kidnapper? Don't you read milk cartons? Because back in the day, in the 80s, when your kid was missing, you put his face, or her face, on a milk carton. So has anyone as a kid ever gotten a sliver and had to have the parent use the tweezers? How many of you have been like, oh my god, they haven't even done anything yet, and you're like, it hurts, it's like, yeah, I haven't done anything yet. I remember when I was living with my aunt and uncle, I was like seven or eight years old, and I got a sliver in my foot, and they, of course, had the tweezers. And I was like crying and kicking and I had really long, you know, legs and everything. So it's like one of them had to hold me down while the other one had to go attack my foot with the tweezers and let me, it's like, I haven't done anything yet. So Molly's mother's outside and she's hearing Molly like, you're poking me too hard. (laughs) And he's like, hey, if you don't hold still, I can't get it out. He's like, it hurts. And he's like, oh, it can't hurt that much. And she's like, how would you know? It's stuck in me. So basically, it looks like he foregoed the tweezers and just took the, well, I'm going to squeeze your finger and just push from the bottom where the sliver is embedded under your skin and just push it out that way. And you're going to want to wipe that with some al- ru- al- rubbing alcohol, put a band-aid on it so it doesn't get infected. Oh, he pulls the sliver out. Like, whoa, that's a big one, huh? And she's like, yeah, I've never had that one that big in me. <laughs> and meanwhile, her mother's still on the other side of the door wondering, like, what the hell's going on? This is a sweet moment. As he kind of, like, kisses her finger and kind of, like, smacks her hand. Like, "Can see all better? And then it's like, there's a little connection there, but immediately she breaks that spell by saying, I gotta go put Mikey down for his nap. It looks like, uh, Grandma Rosie... Because her name is is bringing more toys. Of course, a Grandma's always got to bring more stuffed animals. A baby grandson can't have enough stuffed animals. She's got a Snoopy doll in there, a Snoopy stuffed animal, and he James is walking out the door. He's like, "Hey," <laughs> and you know what? Molly's mother's thinking like that guy just answer me one question. He's not the frozen pop, is he? It's like, no, ma. He's the babysitter. And <laughs> Molly's mother's like. Just give me the kid. <laughs> and she's like looking out the door. And then looking at Mikey. Like trying to see if there's a resemblance. <laughs> and now we're going to get another. This is Mikey montage number two. And I'm trying to think. I think this is the last montage that we get. But it shows him going from. I say he's got to be what? At least maybe four or five months old. To the point where he's going to be at least a year. At the end of the montage. His face in that high chair is just covered in like baby goop, like baby jar. It looks like he's covered in like gravy. So we get him in his high chair examining his foot. He's taking his sock off. We see him checking out his reflection in the mirror. He's standing on his own. So, you know, basically Mikey montage milestones. We see Molly doing what parents in the past, and maybe even the future, still continue to do today with the height chart on the wall. I don't think my mom ever did that when I was a baby. I don't think she did. But then again, we didn't move into our house until I was probably close to two. So if she did that in the trailer that we lived in, I, I don't know. I could always ask my sister. Other Beach Boys, I love this, When I Grow Up to Be a Man. I like this song. This movie's got a lot of good music in it. We go from Mikey, like I said, being, he's got to be at least, what, five, six months old. Now he's got to be at least a year. Mikey's got a head full of blonde hair. And he's also drinking from a regular cup. No sippy cup for him, just a regular cup. Ew, he like just spit it out onto his plate. That's gross. We also see Mikey bonding with James when James is babysitting. They're watching the ball game together. I love how he's got Mikey's dress. He's got the, uh, the sideways hat. <laughs> also see Mikey in the high chair using a spoon for the first time. So yeah, he's definitely uh, hitting those milestones. See Molly again tracking his Mikey's height on the side of the doorway and you know him giving her a kiss and they're at the petting zoo and it looks like Molly is holding a baby lamb and Mikey's just got his head bent down on the lamb and M- Molly's like giving him a kiss so cute. You also see Molly doing income or taxes for a couple, and we see Mikey playing with one of those old, like, heavy adding machines. So, it looks like Molly's gonna go on date number three. She is asking her mom, like, do you ever get bored with daddy? Like, no, no, I don't get bored with your father. Like, who could get bored with your father? We see him outside on the patio just laughing hysterically at a magazine he's reading. And, Molly says, you know, I keep going out with these guys, but, like, none of them are good enough, you know, to be considered for a father for Mikey, and her mother's response to this is, like, Mikey will like whoever you like, and Molly's like, well, the problem is I don't like anybody, so her mother's just telling her, you gotta find someone that you have something in common with, like, your dad and I, we like to, we're both accountants, we like to go to diners, we like going to the movies, and then she's, oh, I just thought of someone who's perfect for you. He works at um her husband's firm as, a, as an accountant. She's listed his qualification. He's handsome. He's smart. Scored in the top 10% of the CPA exam. We meet the guy. He's a bespectacled man, mustache. We learn soon enough that this man's hair is not 100% his own because it's a toupee. At least the top part of his hair is. This must be the first time, and maybe only time, that she refers to... Because she has a guy come in, introduces her, him to her son. She says, this is my son, Michael. I've only ever heard him call Mike, Mikey. on the third movie, when she was yelling at him, like, calling him Michael Ubriaco. So, the guy must be early, because she's like, I gotta get dressed, so make yourself comfortable. So, he's gonna sit down with James and Mikey... And they're talking about the game and all that stuff. And James, <laughs> I don't know whether he thinks he's got a score to, scutt- to settle with Molly or what. Because he's giving this guy information like, oh, let me tell you about Molly. She hates it when guys like pay for things or open the door for her. Like really pisses her off. Mikey hit the bullseye with this. Like He just looks at this dude like, who's this yutz? And the guy immediately takes control of the television. Like, okay, that is strike one in my book. You don't come into someone else's house while their kid is watching something and turn the channel. James isn't even there yet. It's just the guy just, oh, here let me show you how to work the remote. Like, the kid knows how to, he's like a year. He knows how to work a remote. You would Dingus. The guy flips into the football game. Like, what the hell? And Mikey's like thinking, like, don't touch that. And he's hitting, like, they keep hitting, like, the backspace bu- or the back button or whatever the hell that button's called that goes back and forth. And Mikey's like, hell no, I ain't watching no football. Fuck this. He turns it back to the snuggle co- uh, commercial. Like, oh, look, it's the bear show. Look at that. And the guy's like, no, leave it on football. And Mikey turns it back to the snuggle Commercials, oh, that guy's good after, ain't he? (laughs) And the guy's like, come on, it's the playoffs. Like, dude, that's not your house, that's not your TV. You let that boy watch what he wants, that's his TV. Have I ever seen this? Like, sir, you can leave. I keep flapping back and forth on the TV with the snuggle. That is the longest snuggle commercial I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. And they keep flipping back between that and the football. I love Mikey's responses. He's like laughing thing of himself, You dick. Like the guy is being a dick, definitely. There's no getting around that. So of course James is out in the hallway <laughs> and Maggie d M Mo- why you keep calling her Maggie? Her name is Molly. She like goes out there because he probably rung the doorbell and hit around the corner and she's like, Where who what? And he's like, oh baby, hot mama, hot mama. (laughs) He's like, you are such a goofball. He is a goofball, James is such a goofball. He's like, what, I don't look good? And she's like, oh, you look slightly cute. Like, I love them together. And she's like, what are you all dressed up for? He's like, oh, baby, I got a hot date tonight. And she's like, well, you better call your hot date because I don't know how late I'm going to be. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're going out with an accountant, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's like 930 tops. And she's like, don't count on it. <laughs> he like, follows her into the apartment. like, oh, besides, my woman will wait for me all night. <laughs> So Molly's gotta go grab her coat and this is where James kinda starts he he can tell this guy is a piece of garbage from a mile away. James even says he's got money on the game too, so Guy is so standoffish. It's like, oh yeah, you and Molly will get along great because you know she's a CP2 or C P A too. He's like, Oh yeah, I know. Her mom told me. And he just, it's like, this guy is like, uh, I wonder if he sees James as like competition, even though Molly said that James was just the babysitter. So James goes on about how Molly's a tough girl being a CPA and a single mom. Yeah. And the guy's like, what do you mean by tough? Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, Molly really hates it when men open the door for her or like try to pick up the tab. And pay for things, it really pisses her off. And the guy's like, "Oh, really?" He's like, oh, "So she's like one of those liberated ladies, right?" Like, "Uh huh." And James is like, "Liberated? Come on, a guy babysitter." <laughs> so Molly goes over and is like, "All right, Mikey, Mama's gonna head out, say goodbye." And as Mikey's standing on the couch, he's right over that guy's head, and James is like, like doing the like pull up his, because James knows it's a toupee. pay, like pull and Mikey of course does like and the guy is like so freaked out about it like oh my gosh this is so embarrassing this is so embarrassing I didn't want you to know that I were to it comes right off in Mikey's hand like ew this guy is flipping out like jeez jeez this is so embarrassing give this back of course, Molly's like, oh, well, may I say one thing? I mean, it may be none of my business, but I think, you know, maybe, maybe it would be better with it off. I think you look much handsomer with it off. And the guy's like, yeah? And even James like, oh, yeah. Like. And the guy's like, okay, I'll leave it off. What the hell did this dude think he was fooling? I'm sorry, but if you're wearing a toupee, you got... You clearly got something to hide. Hey Quinny, what are you looking at out there, babe? <laughs> you crazy cat. Ah, oh, my cat, my rabbit. It's a house full of craziness. <laughs> so Molly and the guy exit and <laughs> see James is like, Hey Mikey, Mikey kinda of taps him on the shoulder and Mikey turns around and is like, he holds his hand up for a high five. <laughs> and of course Mikey's like, Yeah. And he's thinking of something, who was that clown? <laughs> Okay, this is not someone I would ever want to go out to dinner with. This is disgusting. This is not a conversation for dinner, or if you're trying to impress someone. He's talking about having this terrible kind of bloated, gassy pain in his gut. He is just trying to be, like, a good date. Just, you know, pretending like she's listening intently. And he... Say about how he would get to the bathroom, and you sit down, and nothing would come out. While he's telling this story about, you know, hey, having to go in and having an ultrasound like two to three weeks after the symptoms started, he the waiter comes over with the bill and gives it to Molly because he points like, "Oh yeah, give that to her." And Molly just looks affronted, like, "Yeah, what?" <laughs> I'm looking at the bill, and it looks like seventy six dollars. Holy fuck, nuggets! What the hell did they order? I'm trying to look at the, um, let's... What the hell is all this shit? Is that cake? Is that lobster cake? Wait, what is that? Crab? Cookie? Um, What the hell? Cheesecake? Oh, fuck, I can't tell. Uh, What the hell is that? That's gotta be... Okay, that's something... That... What is that? What is... I'm touching this lobster. That's gotta be some fucking thing. I can't tell, but all he says like lobster, like something's like nineteen dollars, fourteen dollars, thirty-five dollars. I can't fucking tell what is that? Says like something cheese. It looks like cheesecake. Okay, let's move on. That's a huge file. But they're, they're in New York, so yeah. Even at 89, that shit apparently is not going to be cheap. I remember when I went with my sister to Chicago and the hotel they were staying at had a TGI Fridays and I was like 15, 16 at the time and I went into the TGI Fridays by myself and I got like some dessert thing and I found I didn't have enough money. Not just so much, not just not to pay the tip. I didn't have enough money to cover my bill. And this guy who's like sitting on the other side of this divider in his own seat actually covered my bill for me and i'm just like i'm like i was like oh thank you oh thank you so much he's like oh yeah yeah so i thought that was cool (laughs) i was 15 16 years old i had a little bit of money of what my dad gave me to spend and yeah i don't know what a barium enema was that sounds disgusting that does not sound like Not just not great dinner conversation, but definitely not even date conversation. He's not even asking about her. He's talking about this long ass winded story about not having gallstones and having some form of a fucking enema done on his asshole. And he's like, I got to see my colon on TV. It's really disgusting, but at least I got to see my colon on TV. Molly tries to get in here and make a joke. Like, is it true that colons look 10 pounds heavier on TV? She's trying to make a joke. Like, oh, people always say they look like they gain weight on TV versus not being on TV. And the guy is like, I don't understand what you mean. It's like, this guy. would have made up some excuse. Like, I got to go relieve my babysitter at 930. I got to go. So now we're going to get to James and Mikey just having a fun time. we having a little dance party. It's just fun. Walking on sunshine is playing. I love how Mikey is just sitting there watching this Snoopy and this bear, like, doing a little dance routine on the table. He's like, they never did that for me. And Mikey's holding this little Woodstock stuffed animal. It's like, aw. Granny got him a lot. I think, yeah, he... It's got a lot of different, uh, things there. He's having such a fun time with this kid, just picking it up, picking him up in the air, spinning them around <laughs> for Mikey's like, oh, I'm going to be sick, but I love it! Yeah, He's, like, putting Mikey on the table and, like, dancing with him. <laughs> we got a shot of Mikey's back, the back of Mikey's shoes. He is wearing Nikes. So, we cut into, what, Maggie and whoever the fuck this dumb-dumb is, this man that, the colon guy, I guess I'll call him the colon man, um, he didn't pay for the taxi to go to the movie, and apparently she's also gotta pay for herself, and open her own door, all that shit. And she just can't believe it, like, what is with this guy? Yeah, Jared Walter looks like he's having a blast with this kid, like, he's just having so much fun together. He's still on the damn, down- oh, he's like, I finally ran past the damn stone so it was a gold stone fuck it who cares The guy's still on about this bullshit what a dick why well, this guy is still single it's like they, the doctors told me it was the most excruciating thing you could have next to giving birth Pfft, fuck off oh, this is where he lets it slip like most guys would probably feel threatened by a woman being so liberated always wanting to pay for everything she's like what are you talking about yeah uh huh your babysitter gave me some helpful hints tonight. like, yeah, he did, huh? Is he? Like, oh, come here. And she's I don't want to kiss that. He said, if you don't want to be kissed, you don't try to kiss her, dude. He's like, come on, just for a little while. She's like, well, I can't because I'm broke. Like, He's like, it's early. Well, I'm broke. This guy is pushy as hell. Because he's like, oh, come here. No, I really have to go up. She puts a hand up to him, like I have to like go up. He's like, come on, just for a little while, like dude. You need to back the fuck off. This is why you will never have anybody unless they are that desperate. Cause this guy is just aggressive. He's boring as hell with his story about his fucking colon and his gallstones or whatever. The guy is fucking ugly. Toupe or no toupee. He's just he's gross always right. Like, yeah, this guy's a jerk. Even if... I think even if James hadn't given that advice, we saw how he was with Mikey before James even showed up. This guy was a prick. Of course, James is like a big kid. Left a big old mess all over the place. But it's so sweet. Him and Mikey just sleeping on the couch. Oh, He just... Oh, he wants to be that kid's dad so much. Oh, I like, I oh, he's so close to the kid. Oh, he's so sweet. And Molly whispers like, hey, you can go on your date. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, she puts a blanket over both of them. Oh, that is so cute. We got the BG staying Alive song. We have a, another babysitter who's kind of taking over for during the day while um, Molly's at work. Clearly, I mean James is most likely working, you know, driving a cab and everything like that. So, but we get to see like I put um view of Mikey. Basically, all the, all the kids are at stroller level. He sees a girl named Sarah. He's like, hey, come over here. I want to talk to you. And. She's like, no, no, can't. I'm on the run. We got another girl who's sucking her thumb. Basically, all these kids are like toddler age. Oh, she like blows a kiss to Mikey. <laughs> That's so cute. He's like, nah, right back at you, babe. This one kid who comes out with a red sideways hat is like, hi, Mikey, and Mikey just has that little like, ugh, is that a new hat or is it time to change the bandage? <laughs> I love how he just, like, talks to these people like they're just acquaintances, like, hey, Mikey, hi, Megan. Oh, it's like the shaking hands, like, hey, it's been a while, what you been up to? Clearly the, um, the, uh, housekeeper, the babysitter, whatever you want to call him um must know each other because they're standing there chatting for a bit oh my god mike is like you get your haircut is something different about you and she's like yeah i got my haircut but i just i don't like it i mean i used to have curls and now i don't have curls anymore oh what do you think like oh i hate it she's like kind of touching her hair So, apparently Megan is the uh, product of a mother who did a self-haircut on her daughter. Like, oh, I hate it. My mother did it herself and I think she messed it up. And all Mikey's trying to be positive. Like, oh, it looks alright. I mean, I don't know. Oh looks great. What are you talking about? You're crazy. Well, he's just like one of those guys that's like trying to give her a compliment and everything. Like, he's like remember he had those curls and he's like, No, but well, I mean yeah, I remember the curls. Of course she's like, Oh, I look like a boy. I used to be the girl with the cute curls and I don't think they're gonna grow back and it's like <laughs> I'm sure they'll grow back. Oh, so we got Mikey at the playground uh, the playground, uh, well, the park, and he and a couple of babies are playing in the sand pit or the sandbox. And he's telling a joke. He's trying to be Mr. Comedian. Like, hey, how many babies does it take to screw on a light bulb? This one baby's like, how many? And, he, and Mikey's like, what's in a light bulb? <laughs> and the other baby's like, I don't get it. one so baby, laughs like a weasel? <laughs> The other baby's like, I don't get it. This is the first time that Mikey has seen a a male adult that is... Because this girl was like, I don't get it. This man came and picked her up and took her away. And this baby with the weasel laugh is all like, oh, that's okay. That's her her daddy. Because he's like, who's that big guy? That's her daddy. He's going to go with her daddy, you know, the daddy. Of course, Mikey's like, what's a daddy? What do they do? So the, the, the weasel laugh baby is like, you know, the big men types, that hang around the, with the mommies. So Mikey's like, oh yeah, I get it. Maybe I'll ask James to be my daddy. So of course, we get the Town Without Pity song playing on the radio as she's fixing up Uh, food for Mikey and she's not paying attention. She's just being, you know, dancing and everything and she doesn't see James come in and he starts dancing with her and it's just like, Mikey's just loving it. Like, aww. This is where he's doing the John Travolta Danny Zuko from Oh wait, um yeah, from Greece with the whole Grease Light where he's doing the hands behind the head and doing the gyrating kind of thing. He's kind of, like, making fun of her. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. But they dance, and it's cute. Kirstie Alley and John Travolta just look like they were having so much fun in the scene. It's just so cool. So, of course, James dips her when the song ends, and she's like, we shouldn't do this in front of Mikey. And James like, no, 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 look at his face, look at his face. And this is where Molly slips up and she's like, he looks like his father. And that's where James is like, well, wait a minute. You said that you were artificially inseminated. You didn't know his father. And Molly's like, yeah, I know. I mean, I've never made that face. So clearly that, you know, must be from his father. So he's like, hey, um, I'm taking my grandfather to his new home today. And I thought, you know, maybe you'd enjoy that if you wanted to come with me. And she's like, oh, you thought I'd enjoy it, huh? You, Yeah, I mean, you'd enjoy it. And you'd maybe sign some papers for me. And she's like, you are such a baby. If you want me to do something, why don't you just ask? He's like, will you go with me to my grandfather's new place and sign some papers, please? <laughs> like, okay. So, on the car ride there... James is kind of explaining to Molly how he kind of runs the city. He's got a little kind of scam thing going. Which, I mean, he's not hurting anyone. He's like, hey, you want to go to lunch? And he's, because he tells her, let's go to Northeastern Life Insurance. They give their employees free lunches. Molly, of course, is like, what if we get caught? He's like, ah, no, we're not going to get caught. And James lets her know, like, hey, I must know like 20 different ways to get free lunch in this town. He's like, you do this a lot? And he's like, yeah, I don't pay for LDs either. And she's like, I hate to ask. Like, what is LD? Long distance. Because he's like, I call my sister. I call my mom. And he goes to these big companies that have receptionists and pretends like he's a lost messenger. Like, I call my mom or brother. I mean, it's really, it's awesome. But so he wants Maggie to, why do I keep calling her Maggie? For fuck's sake. This is driving me nuts. <laughs> he's like, you know, if I can make more money doing instructing with the planes and everything, I would not be doing this cab. I mean, you know that. He's like, I think he's just trying to show her that he wants to be more than what he than what he is. Which everyone's got to start somewhere. So if you got to start at the bottom, you will work your way up. However, I mean, we've all done it. We've all had to take jobs we would rather not do. Whether it's just to pay the bills or whatever. But you know at the end of the day, that is not your dream job. That is just a job to get by. Like, I'm doing it because I have to, not because I necessarily want to. So, she wants to know, like, how much do flight instructors make? And he's like, if I really hustle, like, 1100 And she's like, a week? And he's like, no, a month. I mean, I made, like, almost twice that. In a month. I mean. And this is 1989. And I mean. Kids today aren't going to realize. Like it costs money. Back in the 80s and 90s. To call long distance. When I lived. When I was a teenager. And I was on the phone. Back in the. nine, Like mid 90s. I would call my friend. And she lived like maybe. Like a half an hour away. And that was considered long distance. Because. It was in another city. Even if it was like a half hour away. Or whatever. And it's just, I always had to keep the phone calls short because the phone bill could only be so much. So that's why I relied on letters and stuff like that. Oh, now we go to the home where his grandfather's being kicked out. And someone has helped. The taxi guy has got Vincent's bags and he's taken them and put them in the trunk. And the guy, Vincent just goes over to the guy, grabs him and he's like, Give me my bag! Give me my bag! And you see James like, Grandpa, no, he's taking the bags, you know, to your new place. It's like, Grandpa, no, he's not stealing our bag. And Grandpa's like, I got my teeth in there. And it's like, your teeth are coming with us. Like, don't touch my teeth. Don't touch his teeth. Like, oh, my goodness. So this place here is kind of a nice place. It says Town House, 1099 Camby Street. Don't know where that is. Trop World Casino and Entertainment. Resort? What? what? Wait, that trop world thing was on top of the cab that James is driving. Never mind. So James pulls up in front of this place, and of course his grandfather's like, "Oh, we're stopping for a bite to eat." And James's like, "No, no, this is your new place." And his grandpa's like, "Oh, they got good shrimp here." It's like, "Yeah, shrimp is good. You should try the lobster." Uh huh. He's just so excited, and this place looks amazing. He's get his, he gets his own room, all that stuff. James is more excited about this place than Grandpa. Grandpa doesn't know you know. James told him like this is going to be a new place and everything. He's like "Yeah." Well, we do get an orderly here who's giving you know Grandpa his meal and he also is giving uh, oh, James gives the orderly the, this giant fucking paper bag sack of candy bars and And says he gets, like, a candy bar a day or something like that. And he gives, James gives the orderly a tip. The guy's like, oh, no problem, no problem. We'll find out later that that was actually, there was a problem there. Oh, James does say he's got, uh, my grandpa's got a Sugar Jones, right? I got enough candy here to last him a month. One candy bar a day. And he tells the orderly, don't let him find the bag because he'll eat all of it. So James is trying to get his grandfather to eat. Like, oh, grandpa, doesn't this look good? And of course his grandfather's like, I'd like to see you eat it. And of course James, is like, oh, to Molly and Michael, like, watch this, watch this. Cause as soon as he starts eating, like taking a couple bites of that mashed potatoes, Grandpa pulls that fork right out of James's hand and like, Gimme that. So he looks at Molly as he's uh James's grandfather does. As he's putting mashed potatoes in his mouth, he looks at her like, what do you want? And James explains to you, that's Molly. She helped us get into this place. So this guy's getting a little uh, racy here. The woman has thousands more nerves in the sexual organs than the man. Remember that. (laughs) James is just like, oh my gosh, my grandpa, everybody. So I take it like the grandfather, maybe he passes away between the first movie and the second. Because the second movie is in... 19, hold on a second, I think it's 91 that Look Who's Talking 2 comes out, let me double check though, okay, so we got Look Who's Talking 1 in 89, and then the second one comes out in 19, a year later, guys, and then three years later for the... Um, look who's talking now. Which pretty much lines up the same age. And this one, Mikey's a year old. In the sequel, he's probably two. And then at the end of the second movie, Julie's like one. And then in the third movie, three years have passed. So Mikey's got to be right around like five, six years old. Julie's four years old. So everything, the timeline kind of works out that way. No! His fa- grandfather's getting a little irritated. He's like, I bet the kid's not even yours. And grandfather's like, okay now that's it. You need to be nice. James tells his grandfather, you need to be nice. That's enough. With... Yeah. You guys know older people, especially, I mean I've never dealt with a grandparent that's had Alzheimer's or dementia but I know from what I've read whether it's characters in books movies, example like this that the confusion can also lead to aggravation, irritability, stuff like that where they're confused and they're going to lash out in um, an aggressive manner, maybe violently. It just depends on the person and how they're wired and how they handle things. Of course, he is Vincent's... Uh, James's grandfather's like shoveling... Like, bang! Just... Amounts of mashed potatoes. And Mikey's just looking at this guy like. <laughs> Look, I eat better than this guy. And he's like, this guy's worse at this than I am. <laughs> this is adorable. Mikey grabs the spoon. With a little bit of mashed potatoes. And he like puts it. Into. Um, Vincent's mouth. Like, come on, taste it. Aww, it's so sweet. So James and Molly come out of the uh, retirement village. Looks like. Mikey needs a nap. Um James tells Molly, like he kisses her on the cheek, like, Thank you for helping me with my grandpa. Like, do you wanna go flying with me? And of course you're like, No, 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 that would be too expensive for you. Of course they oh no no no, pretend you're a maintenance flight. We'll get it for free. Like, oh my gosh, you get everything for free. (laughs) <laughs> free long distance phone calls, free lunches. She's like, I think you're some sort of a scam artist. He's like, Yeah, I know I got the town wired, don't I? <laughs> oh my god. He's like, baby, think about it. If we were poor, we could still live like kings. Mikey looks like he is ready for a nap. He is tired. It's gotta be a long day for him. I mean, from spending time with um, James's grandfather, and now they're gonna go flying. He's gotta be tired. But then again, I kinda wonder well, yeah, because when they get back, they say, Oh, he's had a long day. If you're only trying to get her up in that plane. Like, come on, come on, what are you worried about? think he's like, Are you scared? Say, no, I'm not scared. It's like come on, then we're come on, do it, do it, do it. He gets her up in the plane, of course. So as of course anybody who gets in a plane probably is gonna wanna make sure you know, it's a regular pie. it's not a it's just a simple plane. It's not, like, one that's huge. It's just kind of for two people. And she like, where are the parachutes? He's like, parachutes? Oh, no. We, we don't have those. And she's like, I like that she brings this up. Like, didn't you ever see Sweet Dreams, the Buddy Holly story? La Bamba? All of them died in plane crashes. Because we have, um, I think, didn't Buddy Holly end? Richie Valens, who was who, it was in La Bamba, which I definitely want to cover that for the podcast. I'm thinking I want to do. I know I keep bringing up other movies I want to cover. I want to do La Bamba. I want to do Selena. I want to do Coal Miner's Daughter. I would love to do The Buddy Holly Story too, but I don't know if it's available on. The, I've seen that and I've seen Sweet Dreams also. They're all I don't know what it is about musical biopics but I just I love them. They're just they're so good. Especially those four. Those are the big ones to me. Those are the big ones. She's like, "Didn't you see Sweet Dreams the Buddy Holly Story, La Bamba?" And James is like, "Well, there's one big difference here. They were like rock legends and you're not." Kinda looked over his shoulder, like, are you sure your wing's not smoking? <laughs> they know. like, no, he's like, oh my god, and she's like, what? No! <laughs> like, he's just freaking her out because he loves getting a re- reaction out of here. I don't know what it is about other people that seem to always... They enjoy getting a reaction out of me because it's just so damn easy to. (laughs) He's like, I'm just kidding. It was just a joke to relax. I don't know if you want to be joking about the wing being on fire with someone who's never been in the plane before. (laughs) I get it. She's nervous because she feels out of control. And he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because he's got like... um. It's, the plane's being piloted by just a, a stick shift type of thing, so he's like, "Here, put your hand on this." He like says it's the stick. Like, I don't want to put my hand on your stick. Like, it's not a sexual thing. Just do it. And he's like, "Oh, baby, that feels so good." Like, oh, you. <laughs> and she, oh my gosh, I'm flying the plane. She was like so amazed. Like, I'm doing it. I'm flying the plane. I think this is amazing. And he's like, oh, I bet it's better than sex. Huh? And she's like, one would not imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, uh, they're back at home and putting Mikey in because he's had a long day. He's probably had a very long day. So she's like, oh, you want something to drink? And he's like, want to watch a movie? So it's kind of like they say the same thing, a uh, different thing at the same time. Dude, yeah, a beer would be good. And he's like, yeah, if there's a good movie on. <laughs> they so awkward and bashful with each other. But I think we know, like, the sexual tension between these two. It's been since their first... Mi- it's just, it's there. It's a spark. It's in the air. You can just feel it's like... And they, they act on it. They act on it, definitely. That's where they play the song Daddy's Home. And it just feels a bit, like, we- kind of weird. Oh. So, Of course, he's, like, on top of her, like, kissing her and stuff. And she's, like, facing away away from him. And then she starts fantasizing about what their life would be like. It's really gross. Like, she's got, like, three other kids. She's pregnant with, like, the fifth kid on the way. Or fourth with James, I'm guessing. Because she's got, what, at least two girls. And then there's Mikey. And then there's a baby girl on her hip, and she's pregnant with another, and she's smoking a cigarette. You see James also still smoking a cigarette. He's got a beer gut. I don't even think that's really him, but because Molly's like, "Hey, if you kids don't stop yelling, I'm gonna give you something. Your father's gonna give you something to yell about." And he comes in like, I "Knock it off!" I want to play this clip of this fantasy. It's just so weird. <laughs>
1: There's to yell about! No, 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 no. Hey, right, knock it off! <laughs> Ooh, princess, you're making my mouth water.
2: I'm hungry! Hold
1: your we'll horses, I'll well, knock from here to kingdom come. Is that any way for a royal family to behave? I don't think so. And you know that dumpster behind a supermarket? Look what I found. Perfectly good head of lettuce. So all you gotta do is peel out the outside layers like so. Good, huh? Yeah. All right. Who wants a surprise? I do. I do. Could be lunch meat. Could be peaches. Who knows? The point is this: even though it's free, don't mean it's no good. Am I right, princess? You're right, honey. Did I tell you we'd live like kings, or what? We yes, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> uh-huh.
2: Again, again.
0: <laughs> oh, it looks like she's got Mikey there who is a bit older than the, the four other children that she has. She's got Mikey, she's got a girl with like reddish curls sitting on Mikey's lap. We got another girl whose hair is like in like braids or pigtails or whatever. And then she's holding a baby on her hip. And then, like I said, pregnant with another. They're living in, like, squalor. Like, their clothes are all tattered rags and dirty and everything. And she and James are both smoking cigarettes. And they're all like, ah, I'm going to knock you here. I'm here to kingdom you. And he's got a surprise for them. Like, it's a can that doesn't have a label on it. So it could be peaches, could be lunch meat. Who knows? Like didn't I tell you we'd live like kings? And she's oh yeah, you sure did, honey. And it's just like we come back out of that, and it's just like oh my god. She's just imagining what their future would be like after. Oh my goodness! Like no, 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 we can't do this. Does she think she's gonna get pregnant a second time? Like right there? I don't think so. But she puts an end to it. Like this isn't right for Mikey. He really likes you, and I don't want to ruin this. Like, what if we get together, we have sex, and then something happens where we're not together? I don't. Mikey's just so attached to. You. I don't want to ruin this. She knocks James off the bed. And he's like, I. She's like, I want this, and he's like, I want this too. And she's like, but it's Mikey. And James's like, yeah, but he's asleep. And of course, she's like, but I have to be very clear on the choices to make for him. Finally pushing him out the door, just saying, I don't want to get, like, wrapped up in sex and everything like that. And the only one that's going to be hurt is Mikey. And I don't want to lead you on. And he's like, I'm crazy about Mikey and I'm crazy about you. And she's just pushing him out the door. I think it's not just about Mikey, but I think it's the fact that she doesn't want to end up hurt again. Because in a way, if you think about it. Albert did hurt her. I mean, granted he was married and she knew that and she took that chance. I'm not trying to throw blame onto her, but... This guy is going to be in the sequel. This guy's going to play her boss in the sequel and he's just as much as an ass. So he kind of wants to know what's up with her and Chubby Charles, which is the company that Albert works for. Apparently she's had someone else... Doing, um, his books and stuff for the last six months. Why does it fucking matter who does his damn books? If it's a personal problem. The guy does not seem to get it. She says, I finished up all my work while I was on maternity leave. And then she, um, with another guy had traded their accounts and stuff. So he's not, she's not working With Albert anymore Which is just as well And she's like It's a personal matter And the guy's not He's like Look We're accountants We're not personal It's like This guy's a piece of shit Anyway he's not gonna understand If she wants to keep her job She has no choice She has to go up to Albert's And do his taxes for him So What the hell Albert He can't even pronounce his kid's name right How's Mickey It's like It's Mikey Fuck your shit You garbage human being? You can't even pronounce your... get your son's name right? She pretty much is, like, putting the kibosh on anything. Like, I am not giving you anything. You have not seen your son. You weren't there at the hospital the day he was born. I'm not giving you anything. Oh, is he talking? Is he crawling? He's like, oh, I remember when Astrid crawled across the floor. And Molly, like, shuts him down. Like, look, I'm not interested in your anecdotes starring you as a good father. I'm here to do your fucking taxes. Apparently the stuff that Albert wants to deduct is all from, um, his girlfriend if he's even with her anymore. Eyelash, eyelash tinting, body wraps, and facials. That ain't him doing that shit, that's whoever he's with. He's asking, could the personal exercise instructor be a medical expense? Uh, I doubt it. And she's like, well did she, uh, suffer? Oh. Okay. So what, yeah. Did you suffer any injuries? They do physical therapy for? Well, then you can't know. So, there's a bunch of medical bills for a girl, na- uh, his daughter named Priscilla. And Molly's a little concerned. And apparently, his wife, ex, whatever the fuck she is, so not, I don't know. Apparently, she's been communicating with the dead. And it's been very upsetting for Priscilla. Uh huh. So he says that they've all been. Seen a psychiatrist together. So I guess he's not at the apartment anymore. He's not with the interior decorator. This guy is just. a Like I said. He's a a piece of shit human being. And he's like. Oh do you have a picture of Mickey? And Molly's had enough. Like it's Mikey. I would not want that guy having any contact with my kid. I don't care if he were the sperm donor. Like you have not been in his life. You don't deserve to be in his life. Hell no. Well, Molly does show him a picture of Mikey. And he looks at the picture like, oh, he yeah, has my eyes. And Molly's like, yeah, I know he does. It's confusing. You have no idea how it's so confusing to love someone so much who looks like someone you hate. So he wants to see Mikey and she's like, fine, I'll be home later this week. Apparently, uh, or later this evening and she's not. She's at aerobics class. So why the hell I, I don't know. So we got James, of course, babysitting Mikey. And he's like, hey, next time you talk to your mom, won't you put in a good word for me? Oh, they're playing cards. They're playing, I think they're like playing like blackjack or something or 21 or I don't know. So Mikey, of course, you know that he can't talk out loud. This is just his thoughts. Like, listen, I've been thinking about this daddy business and here's my thoughts. they're playing <laughs> blackjack and Mikey keeps winning. Just by pure luck, Mikey's like, I want you to be my daddy, and I'll tell mommy about it. And there's where the knock on the door comes. I'm gonna play this clip. Yeah, Albert is a piece of shit. I would not want him in my house. I was like, I don't care if you say that's your kid, and you know his birthday. You don't know anything else about him. Like, I don't know you. I don't care if you say that's your kid. I don't let strangers into the house. Cause, yeah. What's that?
1: Molly here? No, she's at aerobics class. Call in an hour. Is Mikey here? Who are you? I'm his father. father? Are you the, are you the sperm donor? What do you mean, sperm donor? I'm the kid's father. No, he doesn't have a father. He's, he's from artificial insemination. But that's ridiculous. Molly and I have been going out for years. How do you think I have the key? I don't know, but we're changing it. <laughs> what? What? That's my kid in there. Please let me by. Okay, if you're the father and that's your son, maybe you can answer a few questions for me, okay? When was he born? July 3rd. Okay. What's his favorite cereal? I don't know. Cheerios. What's his favorite stuffed animal, Fred or Barney? Fred. That's right. Fred. No, 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 Barney. How many diapers does he go through today? About six. Who's his favorite rock star, Michael Jackson? Don't you think a father should know some of these things? All right, how much does she pay? Five dollars an hour. Yeah, go play some video no, games. I'm that shit... Come on, come on, dad Stay, stay, go to the
0: body, go to the body So yeah, Molly's at aerobics class He tells Albert to come back in like an hour and the guy's like, "Is Mikey here?" It's like, "Who are you?" And Albert's like, "Well, I'm the kid's father." And James is like, "Uh, he doesn't have a father. She was artificially inseminated." He's like, "Yeah, are you the sperm donor?" And the guy and Albert's like, "What do you mean sperm donor?" Yeah, like, he doesn't have a father. He's from artificial insemination. And of course, Albert's like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. Molly and I have been going out for years. So that's how long she's been carrying on this affair with him—is for years." shit. It's like, how do you think I have a key? And James just rips it out of his hand, like, I don't know, but we're changing it. And goes to slam the door in his face. And Albert's like, oh, that's my kid in there. Please let me, but I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you say that to your kid. I don't think he is. And James is like, alright, if you're the father and he's your son, answer a few questions for me. When was his birthday? July 3rd. Like, when was he born? July 3rd. And, and James says no he knows all the stuff about Mikey because he he's the one who's with him all the time. Like, what's his favorite cereal? Cheerios. What's his favorite stuffed animal? Fred or Barney? Barney. And it's like, no, Fred. It's like, no. Yeah, Mikey goes through six diapers a day. Who's his favorite rock star? Michael Jackson. Don't you think a father should know some of these things? Like, you haven't shown up in like a fucking year. And all of a sudden you want to get to know who you claim is your kid. Of course, Albert's like, hey, how much is she paying you? $5 an hour? Here's some money. Go play some video games. And James is like, don't give me that shit. And they get into a tussle. They start uh, putting each other in a headlock and all that stuff. And James luckily gets the better of Albert and shoves his ass right out the fucking door. Ollie comes home and notices the stuff is kind of askew in the entryway. Like, what happened here? Because we see Mikey is holding a ice pack up to James's face. And James is pissed. He's like, "Who's Albert?" And Molly's like, "Oh, why was he here?" And James is like, "Is he Mikey's father?" That did Molly technically does not have to answer the questions because all of James really is is the babysitter, but of course, he's been so invested in Mikey's life in the last year. I was like, I, I can understand why he- why he'd be upset. Like, you lied to him. You said he was an artificially inseminated baby which he wasn't of course her excuse is oh he was married I wasn't supposed to tell anybody the fact that he asks her do you love him at the point where he grabs her by the arm to turn her around to face him it's like dude who are you to even be asking this I get that you have feelings for her and you care for Mikey but really you need to dial it down a bit she's like I don't know I don't know who I love the only thing that matters to me is what's best for Mikey and he's, all. Oh, she starts going on about, oh, Albert is successful, he's responsible, responsible my ass, he's fucking you while he's marrying got kids, that ain't exactly responsible, and he's not been in Mikey's life for the last fucking year, don't say that is a responsible man that you want around your kid. And he's really good to his other kids, cause he's got kids with his wife. And James, like, I don't want him being, around, I don't want him around Mikey right now at all. And it's like, technically, James, you can't really say that because that's not your business. And she's even saying you are not his father. And James says, like, well, I'm the closest thing he's got to it. It's like, look at you, you're a big kid. You can't be a father. And they kind of end on bad terms. It really sucks. Yeah, Molly even says, you know, Albert has a right to see him anytime he wants. And James kind of throws it back with, well, then where the hell has he been the whole year? He's like, oh, do you really think you're responsible enough to be a father? And he throws a right and re- like, responsible. You call getting pregnant by a married man responsible? Oh, that's good. And he's kind of throwing the shit in her face, which who the hell wouldn't? But they're screaming at each other, like, you stop it. No, you stop it. And James is like, I've seen you use Mikey to push guys away, and now you're doing it to me. And James is like, no, I've had it. Now get out. And she's like, I live here. He's like, I know it. And he leaves. It's sad. Because Mikey's really attached to James. And James is really attached to Mikey. So it seems like she's trying to get, Molly's trying to get information from her mom. With the whole, can someone who's been a bad person all of a sudden like go through a, a mood change where they're actually nicer? It's like she's looking for an excuse to let. Albert in to Mikey's life. This guy is still the selfish asshole he was when you first fucking met him. None of this is gonna change. He's doing this because he feels guilty. Not because he actually wants to get to know his kid. This is so sad. James coming over to say goodbye to Mikey, telling him I'm not gonna be able to come around anymore because you know, your mom and I, she doesn't want me here.
1: Some fatherly advice.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> el senor está en el cuarto con
2: el bebé. Oh, okay. I'll write you a check.
1: When I was three, right? He said, uh, he said don't hit girls even if they're asking for it. What did he say about pushing them? I you're just want to say any fish for me. You know how much that cost. The one that sticks out the most though was probably, uh, now if your friends, you know, if they jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, does that mean you got them? And I still use that one to this very day. I still use that piece of advice.
0: You. So, yeah, James speaks Spanish to, to Lupe, the babysitter, and it's kind of interesting, when Molly comes, she does not speak any Spanish, and I think what Lupe is trying to say is that James is here to say goodbye to Mikey, because I think that's what he was uh, telling her when he came in, and it's just, it's so sweet, and it's so sad. I mean, guys, we all know how this movie ends. We've all seen it before, but still. Him saying goodbye to Mikey and giving the fatherly advice. Like his dad said when he was three, like, don't hit girls, even if they're asking for it. And Mikey's thinking, like, oh, what about pushing them? And also the thing with, you you know, eat your meat, you know how much that costs. And, of course, his favorite line, James says, that he still uses to this day, like, oh, Oh, if your friends are going to jump, all will jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, does that mean you gotta? That was the little tidbit, the little trivia from uh, IMDb about Saturday Night Fever. And Molly, of course, is hearing this whole, uh, like, the last half of the conversation. Uh, on the baby monitor and just you hear, hearing James say you know you're only one years old and you're like my best friend of the whole world and she's just like oh no like what have I done and James is like I'm gonna miss you I'll miss you and it just it's, it's sad and I love how Mikey offers his little uh stuffed panda bear to him and James, is like, oh, really? And then he hands it back, and Mikey saying, "No, no, take it. He'll take good care of you." He's like, okay. <laughs> so now Mikey has to meet Albert. However, Molly is getting Mikey ready, getting him dressed. Like, hey, what do you want to wear to meet your dad today? Or so Mikey's sitting up on his changing table and Molly's like we're gonna see daddy today and it's like he doesn't know who daddy is to him as Mikey thinks like oh great I was just thinking about James she's asking him what he thinks what do you think as far as the overalls you want to go with the blue you want to go with the lamb and of course Mikey's like eh neither they both look pretty lame I just that disgusted look like ooh. She's like, the lamb, right? And he's like, no, not the lamb, lame. <laughs> so clearly Claire- <laughs> Mikey is getting upset as she's putting him in the lamb overalls. I don't like clothes with animals on them. And he starts slapping her hand, like, stop it. <laughs> like, oh, it makes me look stupid. And she's just looking at, you know, her work. Like, oh, you look perfect. You look great. And he's like, oh, I really good. <laughs> so It looks like Albert has got his office pretty much... How he wants it to look. And I'm going to play this clip because Mikey, as soon as he sees Albert, is like, who the hell is this piece of shit? This is bozo. Because Albert, like, gets down at Mikey's level because Mikey's in his stroller. Like, hey, little guy, how you doing? It's like, who the hell? And he ends up squirting milk in Albert's face and on his suit.
1: Hey, look at these guys. I bet I could take those apart. Yeah, look too... Hey, little metal things. Where can I stick them? Oh, right there in those little holes. Molly, who's
0: <laughs> <is> that? Molly, <laughs> hi. This must be <laughs> my You see that his name, right? Hey, fella. What you
1: doing, huh? What you doing? Are you a <laughs> How about <laughs> a little milk right in your eye there? <laughs> <Damn> it, <laughs> old eye. What do you? All right, Albert. It's just milk. It won't stink. Come on, Mikey. Good boy. He's beautiful, Molly. He looks just like you. A lot of people say that I don't see it. Uh I know the circumstances you had him under were terrible, but when I see him, I I just know it wasn't a mistake.
2: I bet he's glad to hear that.
1: (coughs) You'll never escape me, Skeletor. Come back here with my great...
2: Mikey, no, no, don't do that...
1: What do I do? Molly, uh, people find themselves in situations <laughs> that they don't always have the strength to get out of. What are you trying to say, Albert? Mikey, Mommy said don't touch that. Well, all right. I'm saying I still love you and I still want you. <laughs> and what about Mikey? Well, you know, you can always count on me if, if there's ever anything you need for him. I need a father for him. Molly, I gotta be honest. (laughs) I'm living alone for the first time in 17 years. I'm in therapy. I can't be anybody's father now. I need to be by myself now. I've raised my What a piece of shit. Raise
0: them. They're
1: 11 and 9. (laughs) Don't tell
2: me they've moved out and gotten jobs. Ew. Uh, Well, it it wouldn't be fair to Mikey. Is he taking a dump? No, he's thinking
1: real hard. You all cleaned up. Hey, hey, why don't you use the washroom in the back, room? What am I going to tell him when he asks about his daddy? No, no, not him. I want James to be the daddy. Don't do that here. That's a $10,000 desk. (laughs) Now it's junk. God damn it, Molly. I'm trying to be honest. I thought you'd understand. I understand. I am a very
2: understanding person. I understand you are going through a selfish phase. And I know that you will understand that I am going through a destructive phase.
0: Yes!
1: Yeah, let's try this place. Take that, tanto.
0: This guy does not give a shit about that kid. The fact that it gets all like, oh my gosh, you got milk on me, Ugh. like fucking loser, this guy. And he's even at the point where like, I'm living alone for the first time in 17 years, and I'm also in therapy. It's like my problems are bigger than yours. Like, what the? Fu- and he's even saying well, like, when I look at him, I realize it wasn't a mistake. He's like, I still care for you, and I still want to be with you. Basically, you still want to. Get your dick wet, is what you're saying. You don't want to be... Yeah, because he's like, I'll provide for Mikey for what he needs. He's most likely thinking, like, financially, possibly for college and shit like that. And Molly just looks at him like, I need a father for him. This man is not that. He is not so far from that. And the fact that he's like... I've raised my kids. And she's like, raise them, they're 11 and 9. Don't tell me they've, they've moved out and gotten jobs. You fucking twat. So we cut back over to Mikey, and clearly he the fruit he had is not agreeing with him as we hear him have a little diarrhea dump in his pants. And Albert looks over and is like, is he taking a dump? And Molly's like, no, he's thinking really hard. And she grabs him... A, puts Mikey on the desk for a diaper change, and Albert's like, oh, there's a washroom in the back, and it's like, "Uh, that's a $10,000 desk. Molly takes Mikey's shitty diaper and just puts it, like, shit down right on that desk. And he's all like, I was trying to be honest, I thought you'd understand, and she tells him, oh, I'm a very understanding person. I understand you're going through a selfish phase. And me, I'm going through a destructive phase as she takes Mikey's stroller and just slams it right into this... I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. Like a pig in a chef's hat? I don't know. So that's enough with that. Albert clearly made him himself very clear that he doesn't give a shit. He, bottom line, that man is just a sperm donor. That's it. Also, while... Molly was changing Mikey's diaper. She's like, what am I going to tell him when he asks about his daddy? And poor Mikey's like, no, not him. I want James to be the daddy. Like, buddy, don't worry. He will be. But now we're back at the apartment, and (laughs) Mikey has got the blow dryer in his hands, and he's helping Molly with her hair. And she's like, I'm sorry I made... made you wear that stupid outfit. She's like, I'm sorry you had to meet that mean man. never have to see him again. And we don't. We don't see. We only see him in the third movie in a dream sequence that is just cuckoo banana bread. So Molly told him, you know, I don't get it. No matter where I take you, everyone says how cute you are. And yet the one person who has the genetic bond treats you like a jerk. So now she's kind of blow drying like his hair, even though it doesn't really need it. She's being cute. So, yeah, "Everybody loves you. They're all the kids at the playground. Ma loves you. Rona loves you. James loves you." And she's she stops and thinks like, "Mikey, do you love James?" And of course, there's a little play phone that he grabs and he hands it, holds it out to her like, "Call him. Call him." <laughs> So of course she thinks he just wants to play telephone. He's like, call him. And now she gets an actual call on the real phone from the place that um, James's grandfather Vincent is staying at. Apparently there's some trouble. So yeah, the guy says at the home, the director says, I got a big problem with your grandfather here. He's... Become violent with my abusive and violent with my staff. I'm afraid you'll have to come pick him up. He even threatens to call health and welfare, which I don't know what they would do. And she's like, No, 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 just I'll be right there to pick him up. So Molly goes in there with Mikey. Meanwhile, James doesn't know what's going on yet because he's not there. Apparently, they probably couldn't get a hold of James. And she goes into his room and's like, Grandpa, what's going on? And he's like, I'm a hostage. And at first look, it looks like someone punched him in the mouth because he looks like a bruise. But actually, it's chocolate. We'll learn about that in a hot second. And the orderly here is like, he's not a hostage. He's a mean old bastard. And Molly turns to like, don't call him that. And, and the guy's like, he's a mean old bastard. You see what he did to my arm? He gave the nurse a black eye. I'm like, holy shit. And Molly just turns to the guy like, I don't want you talking to him like that. And of course, Grandfather is like, they're hiding Dora! Like, his wife. And of course, or like, they're not hiding anyone. And Grandfather, uh, Vincent gets up and he's like, then where is she? Where's my wife? See, he's confused most likely with the Alzheimer's that he thinks that his wife probably who has passed on is, that's some I, I don't know. Like I said, I've never been around someone that's had Alzheimer's. Just my only um, examples of it would be, you know, this movie, other movies, TV shows, you know, Full House Golden Girls that have dealt with older people that have dementia or Alzheimer's. I like that Molly takes control of the situation. Like, Grandpa, sit down. I'll find her for you. So she's being very... Very, very helpful trying to keep this situation under control so nobody gets hurt again. And just trying to calm Grandpa down. And there's some wipes there, so she uh, uses them on her his face. Like, oh, let's get your face cleaned up. You want to look good when you see her, don't you? And as she's doing that, he kind of puts a hand on her arm. He says, of all my daughter-in-laws, you're my favorite. You're smart and you're a good person. That's why Jimmy loves you so much. You know what I just thought? This is this came out the same year as the movie Prancer, where he played the veterinarian. I re- I just thought of that. But yeah, he's like, that's why Jimmy loves you so much. Aww. So the whole time, I'm like, where's Mikey? No, he's over by the nightstand, and he's pulling out. He found a picture of James in the nightstand. And he's like, come on, Ma, let's go find James. And of course, Vincent's like, oh, pictures. You want to see pictures, huh? I'll show you pictures. And this is where Molly, once Grandpa gets up and goes over to Mikey, Molly discovers all these candy bars. Remember how he was only supposed to have one a day? Well, he's got a lot of them. And Molly's like, Grandpa, did you eat all this candy? And Gr- um, Vince is like, what candy? The bastard stole my candy. I'm like, okay, okay, we'll get you more. So she's gonna go speak to the director and say, come on, Mikey. And of course, Vince was like, later, we're busy. Because Vincent's got Mikey on his lap and just kind of going through pictures and the guy's like oh well don't worry I'll keep an eye on him it's like you want to keep an eye on him after what he did to your arm we don't know what he did to his he probably scratched his arm I like how Molly goes to bat for Vincent as she's speaking with the director he gets disoriented and kind of crazy but this isn't his usual behavior. And she, you know, of course, explains, you know, that's why my husband made arrangements with your orderly to give him one candy bar a day. And he said, no problem. This is where we learn that Bill, who says no problem, that's all he can say because the man can't speak English. How is that going to work? He's working in in a facility that have English speaking people. How? 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 Well, nothing against Bill or anything, but I think honestly James should have went to the director and given him a heads up, not just some random orderly that was just helping, because clearly that probably isn't even his roommate. What? Whatever. You know. You know, You know what I'm trying to say here. Basically, James should have taken the candy, and said, "Look, I'm leaving this here," and, and he even says. The director, when Molly's talking to him, like, if that's the case, I mean, we're not supposed to be, uh, you know, um, monitoring his diet, dietary habits. That's not our job. Yeah, he's like, it isn't the orderly's responsibility to control his diet. If that's what he needs, then he should be somewhere else. And she's like, no, he doesn't need that. He just, one candy bar a day, that's it. This is where James walks in as Molly's explaining that her husband told the orderly to give him one candy bar a day and he said, no problem. And this is where he's like, well, then that must be Bill because Bill always says no problem because a man can't speak English. So she kind of rolls her eyes at that, Bill not speaking, being able to speak English. And she's like, so can Grandpa stay? And of course the director's like, of course he can stay. I see all the wrappers there of all the candy bars that he's seen. A lot, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, there's like six or seven or eight candy bars there. This has got to be like the first time that James and Molly have actually talked to each other in a while. But he does thank her for coming down and taking care of things with his grandfather. So, James and Molly are both very prideful. You know, he's like, you didn't have to do that. You know, because she says, I arranged it so your grandfather can stay. He's like, stay. And James like, you didn't have to do that. She's like, I wanted to do it. And he's like, okay, well, let me give you a ride home. It's almost like he's like, let me thank you by giving a ride home. And she's like, don't bother. And he's like, fine. It's like, come on, just take the ride. We got a guy, another orderly, walking past Grandpa's room and telling the orderly that's watching Vincent and Mikey, that it's time to go to lunch, and the guy's name is DJ, and DJ's like, "Hey, um, you gonna be over right here while I go on my break?" And Grandpa's like, "Get the hell out of here! We're busy." And he's like looking at pictures with Mikey, like, "Damn, I'm done. okay, bye, I'm out." And he's like pointing to pictures, and Mikey's sitting on his lap, and it's like, "This is Steven, and this is Polly. They're your own little cousins." Like, uh, well. Maybe. <laughs> so, of course, we have a girl, a lady, walking with her walker past Vincent's room. Like, hi, Vince! And he's like, hi, Esther! And, of course, he puts Mikey down. goes puts his teeth and He's like, Esther! Like, oh, boy. I guess a pretty face trumps babysitting. No, he just, he's like, I want you to meet my grandson. Mikey's looking out the door of the room that leads out to, I'm guessing, like a patio or something like that. Because he sees a yellow cab, which he recognizes like, oh yeah, James drives a cab. There, there's James. He's leaving. So Mikey decides to take the elevator to get downstairs to go find James. Oh yeah, the elevator door, he gets down on the floor and he's like, hey, I'm going to hitch a ride with the fruit cups because there's a fruit cup cart. There, and the uh, two orderlies are going over the dietary needs of the patients and stuff. He's like, okay, they don't even see Mikey. <laughs> so Vincent goes in, back into his room, and yeah, that's when Molly and James return. It's like, Grandpa, where's Mikey? Where's Mikey? I'm like, Mikey, where are you? I'm like, okay, we gotta, she's like, I'll call the police, I'll look around, and see if he's somewhere. I mean, it's a pretty big place if it's got an elevator. It's got to have at least a couple floors, or maybe a few of them. I love, like, his little conversation in his head with these ladies. Hey, which one of you dames wants to help me find my dad? <laughs> and this old lady's like, oh, that's Ina's grandson. Like, what? <laughs> no? And he's like, come on now, come on, I'm in a hurry here. I just saw the old box go by. Ha <laughs> ha! So the lady gives Mikey a thin breadstick, like, here you go. Go back to your grandma. And, of course, Mikey's thinking, like, thanks, babe. Thanks for nothing. So the, Molly gives Mikey's pictures to the director, and they're just kind of looking around the area, seeing where he could be. I thought, like, if that's a cafeteria, maybe that is where he was. Mikey manages to make it outside, and there is a car that's attached to a tow truck that's being worked on. Remember how I said when James took Mikey around, like, to the airplane hangar and to visit his grandpa and everything like that, how when James put Mikey in the car, like, I'm going to teach you how to drive one day, and Mikey's kind of watching, like, oh, yeah, you stick the the stick thing in the ignition, and then, well, he didn't say ignition, but then you put your feet on the one thing and the other thing, so that... That's where this comes that that comes back when he gets into the car. And mind you the whole time he's been carrying around this little plane toy that is going to indicate you know for James and Molly where Mikey went. The guy is underneath the car working on it and he doesn't hear footsteps of a little toddler and he doesn't hear the door open and so you would hear that, wouldn't you? A door open and someone like getting inside, even if it's a small child. So he sticks the breadstick in the ignition and that's where you hear not that car start up, but you hear the tow truck. Of course, Mikey's gonna think like he's actually driving the car because he heard that noise, which is what it sounds like when the ignition starts. Yeah, Megan, James, come on, Molly and James, come out the back door into that alley, and they're like, "Where'd he go? Where'd he go?" And seeing that toy that Mikey put down, it's like. That's when Molly turns, looks at that car being towed away. She's like, he's in that car, because where else would he be? You know, that tow truck wasn't going very uh, fast. I bet they could have caught up with it if they ran. But no, they're going to take the taxi. So we keep kind of cutting between James and Molly in the taxi cab and Mikey in the front seat pretending to drive. He sees the yellow cab Mikey does, thinks it's James, like, hey, James, look at me, I'm (laughs) driving. See, I'm getting the hang of it. And, of course, he sees what he thinks is James turning off in a different direction. Like, where are you going? James is taking the back alleyways because he knows him like the back of his hand because he's a taxi driver. And Molly's like, we're going to lose him. And he's like, no, we're not going to. I'm gonna cut him off, and he ends up cutting off the tow truck, they go to the car, Mikey is no longer there, because he's in the middle of traffic, holy fuck. Just lines of cars on either side of him. He's lucky he doesn't get hit. He almost gets hit by a truck. Yeah, Molly starts yelling at the tow truck driver, like, there's a little boy, my son was in your car, he's only a year old, and the guy had no idea, the tow truck driver have any idea... James is looking around and he sees Mikey, like practically in the mi- almost near the middle of an intersection, and he starts running. And Molly sees him and starts running. And it's like, no, Mikey, you gotta stay there. And he starts toddling towards James, like, no, 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 don't move, don't move. And he almost gets hit by this Ford truck. But luckily, the guy in the f- truck ends up swerving, so he misses. And, oh my gosh, and poor Mikey said, oh my gosh, James, do you see that as James grabs him? So I'm going to play this clip. Dad. Is
1: said
2: dad. I, I think he called you dada.
1: No, I'm talking to here myself. He,
2: he must think that you oh, are I spent enough in... time with him. Yeah, it. you have spent enough yeah. time
1: with him. Probably thinks we're going to end up together. <laughs>
2: don't
1: get stuck together like that. <laughs> now, should I tell him I need a new diaper? Nah, I'll wait.
0: So, yeah, Mikey calls James Dada, and it's like, oh my gosh, did he just call you? Like, yeah, no, I think he called you Dada, of course. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I mean, you have spent like, yeah, I have spent a lot of time with him. It's like, yeah, you were there for his birth. You've been there for the last year. Of course, he's gonna think that you're his father. So James and Molly finally kiss. And I love Mikey's reaction. Like, I hope they don't get stuck together like that. And then he's like, should I tell him I need a new diver? No, wait. (laughs) It's so cute. And the song, Let My Love Open the Door, plays. And it's such a good ending to the movie. Alright, so at the end of the credits, we have James taking Mikey, who's probably about two at this time. This pretty much is going to show you that there is going to be a sequel. They do have Joan, I think it's Joan Rivers doing the voice of Julie. So I'm going to play this clip. It's just really adorable. And it's funny because Mikey now has like a, kind of a bowl cut. I don't even know if this is the same kid who played Mikey at a year old. But it kind of looks like him. Mikey,
1: this is your sister Julie. Hi Julie. Hey Judy. Don't start with me, kid. I've had a day you wouldn't believe. Can we talk?
0: So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you like would you have liked in the sequel if they had Joan Rivers actually provide the voice of Julie instead of Roseanne Barr? I don't know. I mean, just it's been over twenty Like, thirty. this is 30 years. Uh, Luke who's talking to is 30 years old this year. And I'm just thinking, I don't know. I kind of like Roseanne Barr's voice. I mean, I kind of wonder if, you know, when I cover that, I'm sure they're going to say, well, this person was considered for the voice of Julie. And Joan Rivers, they probably thought maybe they had her, and then something came up where it didn't work out, or maybe she was working on another project or something like that. I don't know. So that was the movie review. I hope you enjoyed it. I really had a fun time covering this movie. I always do. With all the movies I cover, I really enjoy watching them and reviewing them for you. Um, I want to see... I like to sometimes do with the reviews, like, pick, like, a 10 out of 10 and then also pick one that's... <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, um... Also, the lowest rating, just to kind of laugh at it. So let's see if we can find a 10 out of 10. Okay, here's a 10 out of 10. Ooh, here's another 10 out of 10. Okay, here, here's this one. So 10 out of 10. This was published on April 12, 2006, titled "Look Who's Talking." "Look Who's Talking" was released when I was a young boy, and they could play. They pl- could play it all day and I'd never get tired of it. What I like most of all, showing how hard it is as a single parent in today's challenging world and the quest for family. I read a review from a biblical perspective and it was kind of harsh, although it was balanced out very well. It also showed the fact that people cheat and many times the women in the relationship get screwed in more ways than one. I love the opening scene when they show the sperm fertilizing the eggs. If you are a parent and can't talk to your kids, about where babies come from, play the scene. It's educational and entertaining. I also like the fact that they showed Grandpa Ubriato and James trying to find him a decent home. This film was well written, and this is one of the best films that never gets old, dull, or stupid. Anyone who thinks so doesn't have half a brain. It shows how some fathers can be biological and never be there, and how some men are selfish while others would be. I loved the scenes where she's dating all those men and showing us how they are. My ultimate favorite scene is the one where she's on the clock and her biological clock is ticking. This scene I like because it put such a hilarious spin on something for men that that wouldn't be seen as much of a problem. I loved Olympia Dukakis in this movie also. Everything was well written and well thought out and Amy Heckerling did a great job of directing. I'm not sure if she wrote it. Another good one of hers is Johnny Dangerously. I, I absolutely loved Bruce Willis's voice of Mikey. He was the perfect he was perfect for him. The- he was the perfect voice for him. This film rocks. It's better than a lot of these crappy remakes Hollywood is responsible for and still funny even though it's as old as me. <laughs> So this one was from April 25th, 2018. 10 out of 10. Best family film romantic comedy I have seen. My daughter is 11 and loved the movie. We all have watched together. These actors have chemistry and we can feel it strongly. We all think the first movie is the best. Travolta's entertaining the kids makes all remember our fathers and ourselves. Great movie. I just bought the DVD on eBay. Too bad. No Blu-ray. Always cry and laugh with this movie. Thanks to everyone that gave his best to it happen. Okay, cool. Alright, so I did find a 1 out of 10 star, titled What About Classics Like This? This review was published on December 30th, 20... Basically 20... <laughs> 2006. Alright, <clears throat> warning spoilers. This movie stars talking babies. But other than that, the entire pr- premise of this movie struck me as being more than a little dubious. This movie seemed to glamorize Section 8 single moms and made successful corporate tycoons seem like they are occasionally unfaithful to their spouse. Um, she's not a Section 8 mom? What the? Did you watch the movie? She's a fucking accountant. What the fuck? Oh my god. Remembering McCarthyism, wherever the fuck that is, all too well, this makes me wonder which side of the aisle the filmmakers were on. As a side, however, the computer graphics in the movie were amazing, but I didn't let the eye candy fool me into forgetting my core values. Hollywood can't tell me what to think unless it has an awesome ending like Independence Day. The musical score was also excellent. I didn't catch who did it because I was so displeased with the film itself during the credits, but kudos to whoever was involved. I was confused why no one seemed to notice that Mikey could talk. This made me think that the movie would have a sixth sense kind of ending, where we would find out that Mikey was actually dead the entire time, which is why no one could actually hear him, but it didn't end this way. said James and the Welfare Queen fell in love. I think this may have been the pers- <laughs> precursor to Baby's Day Out, which I haven't seen yet, but I have played the game Baby's Day Out on NES. Very challenging. Okay, <laughs> whatever. What 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 the fuck ever to that? Like, jump off a cliff, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion and whatnot. I like this movie. For me, it it never gets old. I watch it every once in a while, and I love the fact that I decided to review it in honor of Mother's Day on May 10th, which is when I'll be publishing this or uploading this onto. Though, looking back on my Wonder Years podcast SoundCloud page. So, I hope you guys enjoyed the review. I know a good chunk of my movie reviews lately have been over three hours. I just, I really like having fun and just getting into You know, I wanted to look up and see if there were any, um, real quick, any goofs I might I think I pretty much got them all, majority. How many, oh, let's see. I can't believe you've got a... 5.9 rating on it Let's see here What is the The second one's got a 4.7 <laughs> And the third Look who's talking now It's got a 4.4 4. Oh my goodness um, Oh yeah At one point Molly's in the streets with Mikey And we see a Starbucks coffee in the background Starbucks did not make it to the east coast Until the early 1990s Alright Well, they did film in Canada, so. When, okay, this is audio video unsynchronized. When James asks Molly about Albert, he says, where the hell has he been all year? But it's clear by his lips that he actually said the F word and hell was dubbed over it. Really? I didn't notice that. But then again, I wasn't looking for it either. Continuity in the cab on the way to the hospital Molly shouts that her water just broke and James looks back apparently seeing a mess but when she gets to the hospital her overalls are perfectly dry with no evidence of her water breaking <laughs> alright everyone so all you mothers out there have a good mother's day All you kids out there, call your mothers. If you don't live with your mother anymore, call your mothers. Tell them you're thinking of them. Call your grandmothers. Wish them a happy Mother's Day, too. Yeah, I got my, um, uh, Jeremy's Mom a Mother's Day card. I got one for... Jeremy's brother's wife, so, you know, my sister-in-law. I also got one for my grandma and my aunt because they both had a hand in raising me as a, as a child. So I always think of them all every single year. So bye-bye, everybody.